Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today was a disaster. I mean, the past several days have been a disaster with the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. First and foremost, I have long maintained, as as many other libertarian personality types, even some conservatives and many Democrats have always said it was a disaster to be in there in the first place. There was no good time. We should have left. So... At the, at the end of everything, I'm glad that we're finally leaving Afghanistan. This is not the American nation-building project, or at least it wasn't supposed to be. I think a lot of people got rich off of it. Joe Biden was one of the, the architects of the original invasion of Afghanistan in, in the first place. And I think right now, we, we, we've got to acknowledge, at the very least, it would have been very different under Trump. That doesn't mean there wouldn't have been chaos. That doesn't mean that there wouldn't have been criticism. But I certainly think the Biden administration has proven to be extremely weak with several disasters like the economy, the border. I mean, gas prices are through the roof. Inflation is through the roof. And then you see this. When the disaster began unfolding, where was Joe Biden? Where was Jen Psaki on vacation? Well, Biden came back uh, briefly to give a speech. And actually, a lot of people are saying good things about it. And it's kind of ironic because of all the things you could give credit to Joe Biden for. The last thing I thought anybody would praise him for was speaking. <laughs> but it wasn't his ability to speak. It was, he said some things I agreed with that, uh, what, what are we going to do? Send U.S. soldiers to go fight a war the Afghans don't even want to fight themselves? Or what are we going to do? Pass this off to the next administration? Although it was, uh, uh, he didn't, he, he, he tried to, he tried to take responsibility, but also blamed Trump and blamed Afghanistan. So, all right, I'm not going to say too much. We're going to get into all that and we'll talk about it. China's reaction has been, I, I, I would say this is, um, what's the right word? I don't know. It, it, it should be taken as a warning. China's official state media said when war breaks out with Taiwan, the U.S. will obviously not be able to do anything to defend them. They didn't say if, they said when. So we're going to talk about all this. And I think there's some nuance here. I think there's a lot of people who are being very tribal, uh, you know, looking for reasons to criticize Biden. Uh, and I think there's tons of reasons to criticize Biden. But I think let's let's let, I'm, I'm always going to acknowledge someone doing something good or saying something good. We shouldn't be in Afghanistan. We should withdraw. He could have stayed. Glad he didn't. But let's let's break down exactly what's going on. We've also got some stuff with uh, with inflation happening, and I think, look, guys, obviously in the end, Biden's a disaster, complete disaster. But joining us today is political commentator Yossi Gestetner. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, thanks, uh, Tim, for having me. My name is uh, Yossi Gestetner. I live up in New York, and I've been a uh, political commentator in uh, the Jewish community in New York going back all the way to 2005. Um, as a written columnist on a weekly basis and also on a podcast through a phone system. Believe it or not, there are tens of thousands of observant Jewish people who do not have access to the Internet at home. Okay. So they rely on a comprehensive phone system which would serve as a podcast for news, information, entertainment. And wow. I've been blessed uh, to be a commentator there going back to 2007. Um, and of course, I like to be active on Twitter a couple of hours a day, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, you know, Twitter is an interesting place to uh, debate people, um, and to hear ideas and to get uh, a message out there. So that's what I do in the political arena in terms of commentary. Right on. You had some good tweets about Biden, so we'll get into all that stuff too. Yeah. We also got Ian. Kind of feels like, um, 
a mix between Christmas night and like we're celebrating this whole Iraq pullout thing and September 11th, 2001, uh, I was in New York and after the buildings came down, we all got together out and had lunch and it was like the most dazing, disorienting, chaotic feeling. And I kind of feel like a mix between that and Christmas right now with this Iraq thing. It's, it's, it's you mean Afghanistan? Yeah. <laughs> Get us out of Iraq. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a good point because on the one hand, I think people are glad to see that the U.S. is moving on from Afghanistan in terms of having boots on the ground. But, uh, you know, the images being a complete disaster is something which uh, is, you know, will live in infamy. So I think that's the contradiction between being a joyous time and a concerning time. Mm-hmm. At once. Yeah, yeah. This will be interesting. There's, there's also some interesting media stuff and uh, media manipulation stuff. I noticed in the changes to the uh, Wikipedia entries to the Taliban, which hmm. I think have political significance. So we'll talk about the uh, talk about that too. We got Lydia pressing buttons. I am pressing buttons in the corner. I'm intrigued by what happened this weekend, and I'm really interested in what we figure out tonight. But don't forget, go to TimCast.com. Be a member. We got a whole bunch of amazing journalism, and we're going to have a bonus segment, uh, members only segment, coming up around 11 p.m. or so. We do that Monday through Thursday. So make sure you check that out. Support our work. But uh, uh, let's get into the news. Before we get started, again, just smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share it with your friends. That uh, that does it for our introductory plugs. Let's talk about what's going on in Afghanistan. And the first thing I want to I address is I was shocked by, by uh, uh, the news uh, when, when Joe Biden started giving his speech and uh, I was watching it. I was shocked to see how many people were actually praising him. I mean, notably... My friend Cassandra Fairbanks, when she said it was a good speech, not that it's absolving him of responsibility, of his failures, but at the very least, look, I got to say this. He said a few things I really did like, and I think the important thing about it, why I'm going to say thank you for saying these things, notably, we can't send Americans to fight a war the Afghans are not willing to fight themselves. We were not supposed to be nation building in Afghanistan. We cannot pass this on to the next president. And we can't send another generation of our men and women in uniform to go into this quagmire, this waste of money. Those are good things because it vindicates a lot of the anti-war positions of Democrats, conservatives, libertarians, basically everybody who've been saying the same thing. Finally, you get the president to come out and say it. That doesn't mean he's done a particularly good job with the withdrawal. In fact, a lot of people are kind of shocked at how bad and disastrous it was. Surprisingly, you know, as I said earlier, I said in the intro, the one thing that he's getting praised for is the one thing probably no one ever expected, actually speaking. To be fair, though, not everybody is giving him uh, praise. A lot of people are saying that it was a mixed bag. He was blaming Trump. He said, well, I inherited this deal. It's not my fault. And the Afghans are the ones who don't want to fight. But the buck stops with me. It's like, all right, we'll just come out and say that. You made the decision. I think ultimately it was the right decision to leave. Obviously, bad things are happening. But, uh, you know, with that, I can, I can respect that we're getting out of uh, Afghanistan. Rossi, you had, you had similar tweets, I think. You were yeah, my, my, the point that I'm trying to make over the past 36 hours is, uh, you know, people were pushing around blame on the withdrawal. I don't think the debate is if the U.S. should leave or not. The question is... Um, why abandon the place? Again, most of my commentary over the last 16 years has been on uh, politics here, here at home, economics, and the politics of politics. Like I wouldn't say that I'm that I have uh, expertise in in the military uh, field, but just you know, following a little bit with people trying to push around blame between Trump and Biden, um, you know, everyone says, well, uh, Trump had a, a plan to leave. Okay, so does a plan to leave mean that we'll have this disaster? 
I, my guess is that if Trump were president and the Taliban were advancing over the last few weeks, he would pop off 10 tweets a day, tell them one more step these guys are making will drone them, and he would probably unleash hellfires on them too, hellfire missiles, and they would probably stop the advancement. Um, you know, the, the U.S. for the last couple of years had only, um, the last year or so, I think, had only 2,500 soldiers in Afghanistan, and the peace was kept. Why is that? It's because people understood, people on the ground understood that the Afghan government is underwritten by the U.S. Underwritten by the U.S. doesn't mean the U.S. needs to have 20,000, 30,000 troops. It means that the U.S. is there to give air support, intel, and, and to take care of the bad guys. The problem here is not the withdrawal, it's abandoning the place. As I said, if Trump were in, I think we would probably see from him dozens of tweets every day going back a couple of weeks, warning them that one, you know, if they go one more kilometer, he'll smoke them, and he would probably smoke some of these guys, and they would stop. So Yeah, I agree. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think the, you know, I think uh, Michael Tracy, his name is? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so he, yeah, so he, he made the point that, well, uh, any withdrawal would be a disaster, it would be difficult. I don't know. We had the two and a half thousand troops, and now we have we sent back seven yeah, to right. clean up the mess. <laughs> Again, I, I have no exper expertise in military, but work, but uh, seems strange. So I don't think every um, defense department or every administration would necessarily execute uh, something. That, you know, this, this is way. this is what kind of bums me out. Is you know, Joe Biden saying some of those those things that I mentioned. I'm like, thank you for saying that for America to hear. Because now it's like, what was that about Ron Paul? Oh, he was right. Hmm. What, what's yeah. that about those who are who are opposed to this war? They were right, but in the end, it just feels like they're sitting in the in, in they're sitting in the you know a, a room going in a meeting. Like, what do we do? How do we address it with the American people? And someone's like, I'm going to say whatever they want to hear because we screwed this up. I, I but I want to say I agree with you. Trump would have been bombing them. He would have. He would correct. Have I think, I think drones. correct. I think Trump in in office would have probably preserved some of the gains. Uh, in, in other words. The damage of the way this withdrawal was done is the way it was done. Uh, it's not preserving what you have, and I don't think you need necessarily troops on the ground to preserve it. Uh, the, the understanding was, I think we, we can we can walk it back a little bit to May. The official deal was that the U.S. is going to leave in May. Why didn't the Taliban pop off in May? Why did they wait until now? Obviously, there was some either understanding on the ground or movement by the U.S. that the Taliban decided now it's time to move. So the U.S. with a couple of thousands of troops on the ground was able to hold back the Taliban from May till now, which means they are probably they were probably able to do that going forward with some sort of a not even a contingent of troops, but again drones I got, or, I, or just right. being there and saying we are going to defend this government and don't dare make any moves. I think people would listen as they did. I think the the the, the main issue is that it's Biden. You know, I, I look, the, obviously the Taliban, China, all these other countries, China's making fun of us. We'll pull that up in a little bit. They can see that we've got an economic disaster. We've got a border crisis. We had leaked audio tapes of, of Mallorca saying, you know, we can't sustain the border. It's a disaster and yeah. effectively saying we're going to lose control of this. And then you look at Joe Biden calling, uh, you know, uh, shutting down press events like not showing up, going on holiday. People are criticizing him constantly. Jen Psaki's on vacation. The Taliban have been seeing everything that's been happening with this. And they're probably thinking this administration is too weak to do anything. Now is their opportunity. So I think with Trump, like you're, you're right, he would have been tweeting like a madman. And I definitely think for better or for worse, Trump was viewed by a lot of people around the world with disdain and fear because he was kind of erratic. He was kind of, he was extremely arrogant and aggressive. 
And so you had this, this, you know, it's kind of a negative of character, right? But when you, when you realize what that means for the Taliban, they're thinking, this guy's insane. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think Trump strategically decided, you know, the, the whole world is, is is shivering every time Kim Jong-un is going to do something. Trump figured, well, I can be Kim Jong-un times over because I'm the U.S. We have a bigger military, bigger budget, bigger means. So if everyone stops... Oh, you know, this madman is going to go crazy. You know what? Let me play the same game. Again, I haven't spoken to him, but just the guess the way he behaved. So what I'm saying is withdrawing with this disaster just means, as, as China said, you know, that people in Hong Kong or Taiwan, whatever, should know that the U.S. is not going to be there. And, and that's a distinction, I think. We've been, we've been saying that about Taiwan for a minute, that uh, with the escalation of rhetoric, with, you know, uh, China sent in uh, aircraft into the Taiwanese defense airspace, I'm I'm saying Biden's going to do nothing. I mean that Mark Milley, I th- I think is but, too. But weak. let me but but let me ask you who who has appetite for it for who, war for for yeah to to the U.S. to take on China. I mean if the U.S. wants to take on China, China's main uh, uh, I wouldn't say objective, but the main tool that they use is economics. They keep on keep on investing in in other mm-hmm. countries. They right. buy up properties, infrastructure. They they lend money to countries. We are busy, you know. I don't know playing games here at home. So. We, we can pin it again. I just want to, you know, challenge a little bit of thinking that Biden wouldn't do, but who would do and who, who would back it? You don't think Trump would have lost his mind and sent in a bunch of military? I think, I, I think there's, there was a smaller chance of China doing something against Taiwan with Trump than it is with Biden or, so, or someone else. But again, I'm not making any military predictions. I'm saying if you look at China the last 20, 30 years, their main objective around the globe, I think they even have a deal with, uh, they had to deal with Afghanistan or Pakistan. They have business. I think they're announcing support for the Taliban. Correct. Like they, they have support all over the place. And, and in the U.S., you didn't have – most people weren't even with Trump on the issue of uh, balancing out uh, tariffs and, and uh, import and export. I want to I I uh, pull up Biden's speech because I think we, as much as we can be happy that he said things, we got to call out the criticism and we gotta, we got to hold him to his word, right? So let me just read a couple, a couple of things he said. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under this agreement, U.S. force would be out of Afghanistan by May 1st, 2021, just a little, little over three months after I took office. U.S. forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in the country, and the Taliban was at its strongest military since 2001. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. There would have been no ceasefire. There would be no agreement protecting our forces after May 1st. There was no status quo of stability without American casualties after May 1st. There was only a cold reality of either following through on the agreement to withdraw our forces or escalating the conflict and sending thousands more American troops back into combat in Afghanistan and lurching into a third decade of conflict. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risks. We planned for every contingency, but I always promised the American people that I would be straight with you. The question I have is, as he goes on to talk about American troops cannot 
and should not be fighting in a war and fighting uh, in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight themselves. Does that apply to every other country that the U.S. has military bases in? Does that apply to Syria? Should should we should we be there? If Biden wants to come out and say these things that are going to be ear candy to people who are anti-war, I want to see him actually put up and follow through. And then, yeah, I mean, the U.S. has what uh, twenty-five thousand troops in in the Korean Peninsula, and uh, so if if Biden's stance is that the the country locally isn't willing to uh, put up a fight and therefore we should leave, then I guess the U.S. can save a lot of money. Uh, yeah, withdraw like from from Korea, from mm-hmm. you know, from from any pl- uh, from Japan, whatever you know. Yeah. Um, it's it is yeah, it is in South Korea, whatever. It's 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 an interesting point. Uh, That's why I don't think it's serious. I think what happened is. They inherited this deal, and I think they hate that they did. I think, you know, if, if Trump didn't negotiate the withdrawal because the American people wanted it, I, I guess, what, what was it? Like, Trump came in on, like, day three or whatever and told all his people, we, we're getting out of Afghanistan, we're done with this. I can't remember who told us that. And I think they were they were mad about it. But I think Biden did realize Trump drew down our forces to a degree. We're going to follow through. But, man, did they not plan for this. I got I to gotta say it. They extended the, the timeline by three months clearly did not use that three months for planning because the question everybody has is why didn't they disable the American military equipment? Why didn't they blow it up or burn it or destroy because it? Because they didn't do it all these months because they were under the illusion that uh, Afghan uh, military is a legit force and they'll use it. That's the problem. Uh, but, this, this but, but, but I think but the counter argument that is okay that's why they didn't blow up blow it up two three weeks ago but why not over the last few days just blow everything up if you're anyway dealing with a bunch of clowns you know yeah you the, the Taliban doesn't have an air force I guess now they do mm. and they could have uh, just droned like and gotten rid of there's a meme going around saying they got 166 Blackhawks I don't know if it's wow. true but they were like God. more than many other countries just gave these these people these weapons like yeah, but I think yeah, I think in terms of military equipment, uh, you know, every year the, there is the defense or, uh, authorization bill. I think the last one was seven hundred eighty-seven billion dollars. Both parties in Washington are willing to continue sp- continue to spend on military uh, hardware, military infrastructure, and there isn't any accountability. In other words, accountability not if if a defense contractor charges two dollars more than they should per item. It's just like. Who, who who decides like and who 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 is accountable to whom when a certain amount of, of Humvees or Apache helicopters are sent overseas? Remember th- remember uh, that photo of ISIS driving around that truck that had like some American business printed on the side of it? GM, like, I think. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It was like a local plumbing service. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, how did that truck end up in the middle? Like, what is this? Yeah, you I know? think a white pickup or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, something weird like that. Normally, they'll use nanothermite to decommission vehicles when they're not using them anymore. It's a military-grade incendiary that'll melt the vehicle from the inside. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it's like, hey, now they have some some vehicles that we can figure out how to destroy by building new weapons, and now <clears> we can look <throat> fund uh, you know Lockheed to do that. Let's talk about the. Um, the political manipulation of information. Let's call it that. This morning when I was reading about the news and uh, just going over general fact-checking and stuff, I came across uh, – I, I, I was fairly certain I was reading somewhere on Wikipedia that the Taliban was estimated in 2017 to have 200,000 soldiers, which is a massive number. And that means there was a massive increase in the size of the Taliban during the Obama-Biden administration specifically because their numbers were substantially lower around 2008 or so. So they went up from like, you know, 18,000 to 50,000 to 200,000 by 2017. Well, that would imply that Donald Trump 
before he came in office, inherited this co- inherited this conflict in Afghanistan that was untenable. 200,000 Taliban? That's a crazy number. Well, we were doing research for this uh, uh, for, for this show, and I was like, I want to pull that up and talk about that. That's a really interesting. See, like, who's really at fault here? I mean, Biden's president now, but he was vice president, you know, for, for eight years when this problem was happening. So uh, I Google searched. Here's what you find when you Google search Taliban size in 2017. It says in 2017, the Taliban was estimated to have 200,000 troops. And that's the Wikipedia entry for the Taliban. However, if you actually go, that entry has been removed and they've changed. I'll, I'll just go right in. They've changed the year. Check this out to 2021. Now, look at that. That's really interesting because, you know, why why, why those years and why remove that source and then say hmm. 200,000 in 2021? Well, in my opinion, it changes re- responsibility. If you're saying that in 2014, there were 60,000 uh, Taliban. You're basically implying that under Donald Trump, the Taliban massively grew in size. Yet when you Google search it, it said 2017. So which is it? Honestly, I don't know for sure. Uh, the, the sources have changed. And I'll tell you this. Everybody is going to try and use that to point the blame at the other side. But I, I do think it's fair to say Obama, Biden had eight years of this. Trump came in, put in a deal to shut it down. I'm glad it's finally over. I can say that. I don't know if you guys what your thoughts are on the on the numbers yeah i i don't uh, i don't know who who keeps count on the taliban count uh on taliban numbers if it's intelligence community they were saying a couple of days ago that kabul can uh, hold the uh, taliban push for 90 days and it held like for 90 minutes or 90 <laughs> hours yeah so isn't I'm it crazy to think that they have 200,000? I'm, I'm wondering if they number. change the way that they measure who's in the Taliban or not, like they do yeah. with the census. Like how like how Obama did when he started killing civilians. Mm. Right. Like it could be or, any non-American Yeah, like you know, I, I saw I saw a tweet, I think, um, I forgot who it was. He said that uh, any red tape, any refugee red tape from Afghanistan needs to be removed and yeah, we need I to welcome that. in, uh, you know, refugees. So I wrote, what's the process for the U.S. to protect against former Taliban members hmm. who will then claim they're refugees? It's not like the U.S. has a database, database of exactly everyone who was part of the Taliban. Right. So I think a lot of these numbers, whether they're more or less, I think it's just guesses, uh, estimates, which um, if it's from the intelligence community, it's potentially uh, flawed, as we have seen many things uh, that they estimate about Afghanistan uh, being totally flawed. So the source for the Wikipedia uh, that says 200,000 is in January. Now, here's the funny thing. Al Jazeera, the Taliban explained, they say on the 25th of July, 2021, and updated on August 15th, they mention, let's scroll right down, the group is believed to have 85,000 full-time fighters across the country and exert control over more than half of the country's roughly 400 districts. Why isn't this article, which is newer, used as the source on Wikipedia? Why was the data changed? It's good propaganda, baby. That's a lot of Taliban. Makes us look like the good guys. Isn't it crazy to think that we're in an information? I'm not going to say one is right. I'm sure someone will make their argument. They'll be like, oh, well, that was an official report, you know, from, you know, a military contractor or from the government. This is Al Jazeera. And then someone could argue, well, Al Jazeera has got resources in the region. They certainly have better access to the information and they're going to know better. Everyone's going to argue. But I'll tell you this. We are, we are constantly in the middle of propagandistic warfare. It is. It's a horrible reality of, of, of the world we live in. You know, we, we, we used to have TV commercials. Now it's constantly, they're, they're changing history. You know, the oh. news breaks. It looks bad for Obama. So they had four years. Hey, the estimate, 
200,000. They removed the 2017 number. Now, now it seems like Trump's But again, who is, who, is, like, uh, who is looking at Afghanistan as a project in the, in the, through the perspective of whether it's a bomb or not? I think the average person who follows the news zooms out for a moment and says, you know what, it's 20 years. There have been many presidents, and even Biden, you know, Biden didn't come in as uh, someone saving the day. He was a senator for I don't know how many years that uh, Afghanistan was going on, and then he was vice president, so he wasn't an onlooker. He was there for most of the time. So I think the typical person who follows the news a little bit thinks of Afghanistan as a as a total mess all around. This party, that party, it, it doesn't matter. It's like it's a mess. And I think people are left scratching their heads. Okay, we had there only 2,500 uh, soldiers there for a while now, and the peace held. So wh- what happened now that everything went to hell in a handbasket? Uh, I think I think just from a practical perspective, not necessarily political, people would want to want to wonder that rather than exactly when it went up or down. Might be it yeah. was costing us forty billion a year uh, recently up to now, like a couple trillion since we went in, two trillion I think. So maybe it's just like bankrupt times because of COVID. So the economy's like, not doing gotta, too we well. We got to cut costs. <laughs> I gotta say, I really love, uh, the, the, the meme posts where it's like, uh, the, the school children in Afghanistan and, and all of these establishment Dems are like, these poor school children now can't go to school and the girls are running home and then someone comments, none of them are wearing masks. <laughs> like, where's the priority for Afghanistan for these kids or whatever? Not that I think that's actually uh, the main priority. Yeah. You wanna, I, you wanna I, ask an interesting number? Yeah. Um, a couple of months ago when people debated handing out another $2,000 in stimulus, the Democrats wanted uh, $2,000 per family or something, and Mitch McConnell was willing to give only um, $600. This was a big fight before the Georgia runoffs. <coughs> if you take $40 billion and you give it, hand it out to Americans, $1,400 more, you can actually give it to 28 million American households. You can wow. give this $40 billion. So... <coughs> Mitch McConnell was uh, willing to sign off on all these big um, military spending bills every year. And this is just uh, $40 billion for Afghanistan. And he wasn't willing to spend money there. It's, it's just interesting uh, how people decide their priorities or politics. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, th- I think the important thing to point out is the establishment Republicans and Democrats were all in on this. It was... You know, like I think it's silly to play these games. You've got people saying blame Trump on Twitter; it's virally trending. You've got people saying, you know, Biden's crisis or whatever. I do think it's fair to say, like Biden's the president. You know, I, I, we don't know what Trump would have what, what, what would have happened. We can speculate. I certainly think there would have been problems. He would have been criticized. But I think you look at what he did with like Suleimani, and he would have been, you know, he would have been dropping bombs on on the Taliban. Yeah, but the question is, in a year or two from now, um, how would people view? The U.S. moving on from Afghanistan, will they view it as uh, – will they remember the, the the few days of crisis now or will they say, oh, you know what? We were there for 20 years. Now we're gone and everything is good. I think it's going to be real negative. I think it's going to be a, a, a smear on the Biden administration in a very, very bad way for him. Uh, I think it's going to be used by Republicans relentlessly. But I do think a lot of regular people are going to say both parties were involved. Both parties take responsibility. To be fair, though, I think the Trump uh, base and Trump himself are only, you know, uh, they're they're not really Republicans in the in the traditional sense. You know, Trump was an insurgent candidate. The Republicans didn't like him. They didn't like him when he was president. And even now, you've got the establishment Republicans. You've got the populist Republicans making up a smaller uh, batch of those running in 2022. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ultimately, I think. We can look back to 2000s. We can look back to all the mistakes that were made. I think in the end, a lot of people are just going to say, I'm glad it's over with, but we're going to see a lot of news about what's, what's going to be happening in Afghanistan That's true. after yeah. this. It's going to be, you know, women are already wearing burqas, like literally a, a day later. And you see all the women, even, you even have the reporters, you know, that, that, uh, Clissar Ward from CNN, mm-hmm. she's wearing the, the burqa now. She, she is saying that the meme isn't correct that she made this dramatic change. She always wore a headscarf, but now she's wearing the more, you know, but serious she said, one. Yeah, she wrote she's, she's wearing something more. And, and as I wrote on Twitter, you know, it's interesting how some reporters, I'm not saying she specifically, they are, you know, they have the self-proclaimed guts to go after the pro-religious states here in the U.S., but when they're overseas, they, they respect religion. Or right. whatever, you know, if you want to respect religion on whichever level it is, then, you know, you should do that do that at home, too, and not pile on to Indiana or uh, Texas or what have you. I think in the coming months, we are going to see some really awful imagery out of Afghanistan. Uh, I think a lot of people in the establishment are going to try and use it to justify why we should have stayed, why we shouldn't have withdrawn. And I think a lot of people, I think it's going to, actually, I take that back. I take that back. What, what I want to say is I think there's going to be news available, but I wonder if the media is actually going to show it because it will reflect extremely poorly on Joe Biden. Whether, whether you believe it's his fault or not, he's the president and people are going to say the Biden administration and Afghanistan, the Biden, I think it's going to be really bad for him. Uh, you know, you, what we don't have is a lot of video of the war itself, which we had in Vietnam was all the video on the ground with the troops, dudes getting their legs blown apart, guys, you know, screaming for their mother and falling down on punji sticks, you know, the, the oh, terror, man, the horror. And, and in, in, in Afghanistan, we didn't get to see it. They didn't, they opted out. So we get the doors getting kicked in, little kids getting we, mowed down. We don't get to see that stuff. We, we, so now we, now they're going to imagerize us with this, we, this end of this, I'm sorry, Tim. No, no, no. Sorry, I, I was. I just wanted to just address one point you made is that we we do have a lot of images out of Afghanistan. We've we've long had that. But relative to Vietnam, after Vietnam, they realized we got to stop putting our media on the ground with the troops because they're seeing too much of the horror, and we're not going to get our wars if we or do. Or Potemkin rides, you know. Yeah, the secure in the area. first F- Iraq war, they did a Potemkin ride through the desert with for ABC Media. Everything's great. Look at out. Look at look at uh-huh. the amazing then, stuff. Then, then there's also I think I think uh, things were relatively stable in the last few years in Afghanistan in terms of the U.S. U.S. Uh, casualties and so forth. Uh, yeah, we've our tech is more advanced. Uh, correct. So so it, it isn't it isn't uh, the Vietnam era. But I get your point. Yeah. Yeah, we if, don't see the Americans were, dying, but we don't also don't see the the Afghani kids getting getting it either. If mm-hmm. they if uh, if they really wanted to make this project or whatever they were doing work, you'd have to be there for a hundred years. You would have to 
uh, raise generations of but I, I, ju- I, 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 okay, finish. No, no, no I'm saying I, I'm, like, try, I'm trying to understand. I'm, I'm, I'm n- not to, you know, just to ask a question. The U.S. Uh, uh, figured after World War II that they need to stay long term in many of these places. I don't think things were perfect the day after the war. Probably there were some casualties and issues. So from a policy perspective, if the U.S. was able to keep the peace relatively okay with just a few thousand troops not even being so active on the ground, what's the problem with that? I mean, you still have troops today in Germany, obviously not because to keep the peace there, but just it illustrates the point where for many years, um, yeah, East German, Germany and West, yeah, you yeah. had the, the Berlin Wall came up in, in, in 1960 or the late uh, 1950s. It wasn't right after uh, World War II, which finished in 45. So obviously, any place where things are so rocky and so destructive, it probably takes many, many years to have some sort of an outside for a peacekeeping force or something. So I understand people became tired from Afghanistan, but considering that the U.S. kept the peace there now with such a small amount of troops, why jump now? Again, I'm still I, I trying to figure it out. Well, what's economic, I think. I don't know, because it costs so much money per Well, year. I, th- I think uh, a lot of people, uh, Trump supporters especially, don't want our troops in That's Germany. It. Donald Trump gets a big, big hand for this. I, I have a lot of complaints, but he was adamant about getting us out of Iraq. He drew us down and okay, put so us on he, a course. He, he, he drew down the forces, and therefore Biden comes in and does what? What's the connection between that and Biden's decision now? Then Probably. what happens? He, Biden said he thought, what, that he can't? That he can't go back on, that, on the that, deal? On yeah, because it would just mean the Taliban is massively powerful and we don't have enough troops to actually stage combat, so we better just get them out. I mean, Trump Trump laid the uh, laid the groundwork. And you know what? A lot of people – I'm, I'm not a fan of the U.S. being the world police. I, I'd like the idea that I'll, – I'll put it this way. When I play Civilization, I don't go around conquering nations. and That's not how I play it. I play to, to, to strengthen – and make the, the world uh, make life better for the people of my country. The idea that the U.S. could keep just going spending money in places like Afghanistan to try and build nations, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of the U.S. having troops in, in Germany, for that matter. I mean, it, World War II's long been over. Are we really concerned about Europe? Can't they provide for their own defense? Yeah. So, in terms of if it, if being in Afghanistan was uh, the issue of being there was mostly a monetary decision, then what about uh, whatever amount of thousands of troops in Korea or in Europe? What's the rationale for that? I agree. I, I Maybe that we're not building we're not building land in those other countries. Obviously yeah, obviously they were safer there. You didn't have uh, you know any troops here and there you know, going into harm's way. They were just, you know, training there, living there. So I'm not saying it's the same thing. Is I, there I'm I'm asking this from both ways. On the one hand, if you look in uh, the the war in, in after Korea in the 1950-1953, or you look in Europe after 45, the U.S. has troops on the ground till t- today. So why not do it in other places? On the, the other hand, if in terms of cost, so if you went out of Afghanistan due to cost, then get out of uh, Korea and there, Europe too. There's a big difference. Uh, World War II, you had – after World War II, you had – the Soviets, Correct. obviously, and we split Germany in half. Yeah. And then you, uh, and then with the rise of the Soviet Union, their expansion, you had Vietnam, Vietnam and, and, and Korea. The idea there was stop the expansion of communism. I'm not saying I agree with any of that stuff, but I don't know what would have happened. The idea, I, I suppose, to try and play devil's advocate would be if you don't stop the spread of communism and they keep taking more and more countries, eventually it will be impossible 
to stop the rise of this this authoritarian system that murders you know hundreds of yeah. millions. So the U.S. says we're going to engage engage them in po- proxy wars and defend you know Korea and Vietnam. They fail we, you know we failed in Vietnam. Korea is effectively a you know sixty or whatever stalemate, year. yeah yeah stalemate, and then eventually the Soviet Union collapses anyway. So I don't know if the U.S. You, you could say the U.S. succeeded in stopping the expansion of communism, which ultimately fell. But what about Afghanistan has anything to do with that giant threat? It ultimately Correct. In other words, just yeah, like because if it's because if it's a uh, if it's a uh, a military threat, you know, the military hardware that the U.S. has these days. Uh, by uh, sending in a uh, strike team or, or uh, droning something or someone, I think uh, it's not the same. Henry, I, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting point. I think after I World War II, they did the liberal economic order. They set up like the world police. 1946, they, the England, United States, France decided we're going to set up a global military force to prevent World War III. They call it the liberal economic order. That's yeah. where they started building all these military bases. And they set up a world of limited war. And Henry Kissinger, for instance, is a huge mm. proponent. But I think we've eclipsed the age of limited war. It no longer makes sense. And it no longer makes sense to have all our troops in a centralized spot. They're too vulnerable. We, we do our things from drones from Good. far so, away. So, 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 so I think uh, you can cut back from Korea even more yes. and then come on from Europe. I want to, I got to play this video. Guys, no. you got to see this video that's going viral. And, uh, I got to be honest. I think it's fake. Mm. I, I honestly think this video is fake. Um, it's a video. I'm going to play it. For those that are listening, I'll try to explain it. Where you see a man in uniform, I gotta be honest, like, it looks real, but I just can't believe it. There is a man in uniform with a bunch of Afghan security forces doing jumping jacks, and one guy can't figure out how to do a single jumping jack. You, you jump, and you clap your hands, and you put your hands down, and he's like, going like this, and he's shuffling around. The, 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 the military guy, he looks like an American soldier, just like, almost gives up. Watching this video of these guys not be able to do jumping jacks, the tweet is just, it's from some, uh, from some user tweeting to, uh, Jeremy, uh, Boring. We tried to train them. I said, how the F is this real? What the F were we doing in Afghanistan? They're not even jumping jacks. Have you seen the video? No. They're not, they're not doing jumping jacks. Like the, the one guy does like a weird shuffle and they're, it's like, I don't, I don't understand, you know? Watching this guy try to explain to them and just be completely exasperated. It's, it's insane. I could not imagine trying to deal with, creating a military out of people who can't do a jumping jack. Now, I don't blame the people of Afghanistan. This is not their world. They Who, who was it? Was it Forrest who told us they believed the Americans came to fight dragons? Hmm. Was that Forrest who told us that? He didn't tell me that. Possibly. He might have told you that. I wasn't there. On the show. No, I don't know. I don't it remember. It? I don't remember. Who said this? Someone said something about there was like a mythology that some of the, 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 the farmers had because they didn't know anything about politics or worldly affairs. And so when the, when the troops were coming, they thought it was to, like, fight dragons in the mountains or something like that. Mm. I mean, I mean, North Korea uh, has been telling their public for many years that the rice and whatever food that the U.S. is sending is to compensate for the war in the 50s. So, you know, you never know, <laughs> you know, you never know what, uh, you know, what local governments tell their people. I, I just I, I saw that video and I'm like, we should have left a long time ago. As soon as someone in command saw that video, they said, all right, let's uh, wrap it up. We're packing in. These people can't do jumping jacks. What kind of conflict are they expecting to win? It was, it, it, that's what I was saying before. If the U.S. really did, or whoever, you know, wanted this, the military contractors, if you want this to succeed, we have these photos, little girls and boys going to school. We have the, the, the Afghani girls science team and engineering team and stuff. We have this, this is really famous, uh, skate video of a little girl skateboarding in Afghanistan. 
if you wanted that to survive, you would have to stay in the country for a hundred years, mm-hmm. and you'd have to constantly fight the Taliban. And I think they realized it's just not possible, or it's just an extreme cost. Because what would need to happen is, here's what we see. Did you see those videos and photos coming out of uh, Afghanistan now? Almost as bad as the jumping jack video. Military age men, desperately fleeing full speed, hanging on the side of airplanes. It's a horrifying imagery. Loading up the C-17. Why didn't they want to stay and fight for what they had? Because there was no social cohesion. So one of the big mistakes, I guess the U.S. and the contractors made is, there was no culture. The only culture that existed was people who live in Afghanistan and then say, what should I do, Americans? Like, basically just deferring to them. With the Americans you know, gone, they're like, we don't know what we have or what we're fighting for or why. There, maybe there is no national pride and national unity there. It's like just things all over the map um, on a sectarian basis. Um, people who are... Um, you know, uh, Shia Muslims or Sunni Muslims. I'm, I'm not. M- many of the countries, many of the countries uh, around the world, uh, you know, were created. When was it? 70, 80, 80 years ago, right. based on religion, religious lines more than anything. It's because the w- you, know, you didn't have any. Um, na- I wouldn't call it a national pride, if you will. You know, what are the values of your country? Just because. Uh, I live here, and someone decided to make a border there. Doesn't mean that I associate with a person living ten miles up. A story. That's what the people of Afghanistan lacked, and you know the U.S. is losing it too. When we see like the sixteen nineteen project and critical race theory, I, I I saw these videos. I see these people running and trying to get on airplanes to leave this country, and I'm like, why wouldn't they stay and fight for their country? Because they have nothing to believe in. There's no great story of the evil that was that they triumphed over. There's no great tale of revolution, how the people chose their will. It's just literally the U.S. came here, told us what to do, and I'm going to school. And now it's like, oh, with the Taliban coming back in, I'll just leave because there's no reason for me to stay mm-hmm. here. It's almost like all America was able to do was to create a hollow shell of a country, or at least what they thought was a country, I guess. There, there are stories now of, uh, but but to challenge this, uh, I mean, obviously the people who joined the Taliban do feel something for Afghanistan. No, right. Obviously right. the Mujahideen back in the eighties who fought back uh, uh, um, Russia felt for Afghanistan. So right. there is I obviously agree, something there. Uh, you know, sadly it, it's only in the side of radicalism, extremism, but I think there's something there. But on the other hand, there are things lacking. That's what the U.S. didn't understand in this. That you needed to give a story. You needed to, people needed to have a shared story of the triumph or whatever it is they were resisting. But it wasn't delivered. And I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if it's possible to instill like a great story and teach kids. I guess the problem is so after 20 years, there should have been a generation of young men being like, I, I, I believe in this. I, I, I learned these mm-hmm. things. But they didn't learn any values. They didn't learn any philosophy or ideology. All they learned was yeah, tw- yeah. In tw- twenty math. years, twenty years is a, is a little generation. That's yeah. a generation for you've you. got twenty year olds. People are twenty years old today. Eighteen year olds. These are these are fighting age males. I don't necessarily blame them. The U.S. did a stupid thing. But do we like the Taliban? No. Already, women are back in burqas. The schools apparently the, the little, reports the little girls are running, running back home. They can't go to school anymore. That's horrifying. 
the thing that's going to be imposed on these people. And I think it's the important, uh, I think the important lesson here that everybody, America needs to understand is if you lose social cohesion, if you lose a, a, a community identity, like what it means to be an American, why you like this country, what you believe in and what you're willing to stand up for. And I think we are losing that. Eventually, nobody fights. They flee. Absolutely. I think it comes down to the fact that you cannot give someone something and expect them to take as good of care of it as they would if they had earned it themselves. Um, this is uh, true on the personal level, and I think it's 100%, if not even more true, on like the national level. So when you give the Afghani people, um, if you give the Afghani people something and expect them to take care of it, they're like, well, I didn't have any part in this. I don't have any investment in this. There's no reason for me to fight for this. I got a better analogy, and I'm walking down the street in Chicago. <clears throat> No one will ever give you a free CD. Uh, it's not true. People do. But most people don't. You know why? What happens when a guy's like, hey, man, you want my CD? Yes, well, not for like, money after that. So, no, they f- people throw in the garbage. Oh. Normally, so they're like, hey, you like it? it? Cool, man. It's a, it's a buck, and it's already in your hand. You're like, we they just hand gave it to, you, it to me, dude. Right? They hand it to you, and they be like, okay, $1. The funniest thing is they, they still do this in some places, even though I don't have a CD player. But the point is, 10 years ago, because I'm an old man, they, 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 nobody wants to give you free music. In fact, I had a lot of people... Uh, in the industry would say, those guys, it's exactly why they don't sell it. You don't value it if it's handed mm-hmm. to you. You have to give something and then value exactly. what you exchange. Exactly. But but uh, the U.S. did spend a lot of time to train people, you know, gave them a force, so to speak. They couldn't do jumping jacks, bro. <laughs> I wonder this if that's nutrition, dude. if these people are like from an era of really bad food and water and no, they just I, don't have the intellect. I don't think it's food and water. I think it's they, these are older guys. They look like they're probably in their late twenties to thirties, mm. and they've never lived in this world. I, like, imagine if if someone came to you right now, Ian, and said, you know, they want they wanted you to be a boxer. Someone would be like, right. okay, do it. Let, show me your jab. You'd be like, I, yeah, do a dance step, and then, and then they show right. the dance step. Oh, real quick. put it this way. They'd be put like, this how way. could you not do a jab? What are put you doing? Put it this way. Ian? Imagine, imagine, uh, since you're ten years old, I don't know how old you are now, but let's say thirty, and since you're ten years old. Canada has troops roaming the streets, and the local government is aligned with Canada. It'd be crazy. It, more, w- it more, would more be, than it would, that. It would be crazy. More so then, then when Canada leaves, like uh, I'm, I'm not Canada's puppet. Get out of here. Get lost. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be in there. Who? Who are they? It's. It's. I, I think. I think we just don't have a, a real appreciation of what it means to have a foreign force be there so many years. Yeah, I don't know. massive amount of resentment. You can see it in the numbers of the Taliban increasing, like they yeah. did too. If those are real numbers, it shows that no one respected the Afghan government as legitimate. No right. one did, yeah. or the U.S. The, occupation government either. No, they 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 feared the they U.S. They feared it, yeah. And and so you had peace and you had stability, uh, yeah. yeah stability out of out, out of fear, but not not out of people reaching that conclusion for their country. Mm-hmm. And and if your local government were to be uh, in power, because the Canadians who are here for twenty years just to make the, the uh, <laughs> that's the, a the funny gun. thought by the way. But but again, st- 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 you know, stop a moment, and every intersection is now a checkpoint of Canadian soldiers. The day they are out. You, have a nice day. Bye-bye. And, and right. you don't want to be on their side. You don't want to be associated with anyone in the government. And, in fact, the minute the people in the government, they were propped up by Canada, here's the Canada's leaving. I'm, I'm out. I'm not here either. Yeah, you guys ever watch Battlestar Galactica? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, have you ever seen it? It's good. There's a uh, – I'll just – just you know, there, there's a, a season where they find a planet and the Cylons – you know what I'm talking about? The Cylons basically enslave the humans. I and saw the first season. 
some of the human silence are robots. They enslave the humans. Some of the humans are working with the robots. And so after the humans break free, they're like anybody who worked with them is a traitor, you know, imprison them, throw them in the brig or kick them off or whatever. I like using these pop culture references because people will be like, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. Oh, yeah. So but that, what do you think is going to happen? The Americans are leaving. So that's what I'm saying. If, if we think of everything through the prism of, uh, you know, Trump, Biden, Republicans, Democrats, the the independent, uh, you know, the independent thinking people versus the machine, I think it misses the basic, you know, try to put yourself in the shoes of yeah. a 30-year-old Afghani who, since he is 10 years old, he is he remembers a foreign force. Sometimes he has uh, good memories of them because they played ball and handed out candies, and then he remembers his father at the dinner, you know, uh, cursing away at the, uh, at these troops. And then these, these troops come in, and sometimes they're there to help. They took away a bad guy, and then the next day the bad guy is your uncle. So you probably think he wasn't a, wet, a bad guy. It's the military right. is bad. Mm. And then when they leave, like it, it's 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 a complex relationship. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think let's talk about China. Yeah. I got this meme, guys. I got this meme. Oh, um, it's actually just a news article. Technically the truth. China's state media mocked the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan, saying the Taliban takeover was, quote, more smooth than the presidential transition into the U.S. That's, that's true. I just got to say, uh, in terms of roasting and trolling, China, wow, that's an Emmy right there. They, uh, that's a smack in that's the face good. to the U.S. That was a good troll. It's kind of, it's kind of sad though, isn't it? They're right. I mean, American, domestically, they're right for domestic news media. It gets worse. In a statement from the Global Times, which is Chinese state media, basically the mouthpiece of the Chinese Communist Party, from what happened in Afghanistan, those in Taiwan should perceive that once a war breaks out in the Straits, the island's defense will collapse in hours and the U.S. military won't come to help. As a result, the DPP will quickly surrender. Yep. China didn't say if war breaks out. They said when once. a once. war breaks out. Once. I'm sorry, once a war breaks out. There you go. Once a war breaks out. So I'm, I'm I'm asking you again what I asked earlier. Who in the U.S. has the appetite? Who, as in which political party, which force, which machine? Sort of, you know, whether Republicans, Democrats, activists, uh, uh, media, which which uh, um, um, think tanks, which institution in the U.S. has patience for wars to protect other countries? And especially, especially when there's so many people in the U.S. again, institutions in the U.S. who didn't have even who didn't have the appetite to take on China even on trade, or to take on even Europe on trade. I mean, you have people here who who will tell you that if uh, the EU has a, a 10% tariffs 
on products coming in from the U.S. to Europe. We shouldn't have the same. We shouldn't, you know. So, so people aren't even no, willing nobody to, wants to war. No, no, but it's worse. People aren't even willing to put up a fight on tariffs <laughs> to protect jobs and the economy in the U.S. <laughs> right, who, who's right. Gonna, who's gonna Who's gonna say? Yeah, I think we sh- we need to defend Taiwan. <laughs> and I think China sees that. It's not just that oh, the U.S. the a government propped up by the U.S. collapsed. I think China is aware of. Uh, uh, the U.S. Apathy. not having the appetite. Yeah, it's the, it's, a, it's the apathy of the, the ap- American yeah. people. War Correct. weariness. Yeah. Th- th- there's a difference between war in Afghanistan and uh, and Taiwan. We, I, I think Afghanistan's a, a, a huge mistake. We, it was, it was just stupid. Iraq was stupid. A lot of the things the U.S. does in the Middle East are very, very stupid. Taiwan is a, is an ally, and we have allies in uh, Southeast Asia and um, in the Pacific. And it's a huge threat if China starts attacking them and the U.S. would need to defend them. However, I don't think anybody, you're right, has an appetite for war. But I don't think you need to have an appetite for war if you have a president and administration strong enough to just set that boundary that can't be crossed. And I certainly think, as I stated with the Taliban and what we're seeing now, you look at the economic crisis. You look at the – what did Joe Biden just do? He increased uh, uh, – Food benefit payments. Yeah. Uh, SNAP. Uh, yeah. Food stamps. Which, which, yeah. which says two things. One, more more money being given out, which is already bad for the escalating inflation. And two, it shows that inflation on food is here to stay. Now they've got to increase it. And, and they're saying it's because they want to make sure people get more nutrients. Okay, well, then you're just giving more free money away. So people are going to be less incentivized to work. You, you, you mean to tell me. I mean, the Taliban certainly noticed the weakness of the Biden administration. But you take a look at what China knows. China's engaged in cyber warfare. They got a great intelligence. They are, they are very powerful. And they're looking at this, and they know exactly what they can and can't do. And right now, I think this statement they're putting out, they're not joking. They're not saber. This is not meant to intimidate uh, or, or make it or, or you know, tell the U.S., ha, we're coming. They're, they're saying, no, we're going to do it. And no one's going to stop us because Americans are I mean, too look, apathetic. Look at the, the way China cracked down on Hong Kong. And <laughs> I don't think anyone, you know, speaks up. Uh, or wants to do anything about it, uh, the reason for it, I don't know. We, but we this is this is how it is. Maybe it is because of the U.S. was so so heavily involved in these two countries over the last two decades at a steep cost to the country in terms of uh, um, soldiers dying or being wounded, and you have families suffering, and people don't even know to what end to to accomplish what. So people just become tired. It's like and a game almost. Yeah, and, you and know. I think, and I think, um, I think there's also a different level of what you know, a different level of patriotism today versus many years ago. Uh, I think this also plays into into a lot of it. I think uh, a generation or two ago, people were more willing to fight for the country. I think today you have it less. What's the reason? I don't know, but I think I think this is a factor. So yeah. if people don't have the appetite to fight for their country, I'm not uh, saying what people, you know, tweeting for their country. People think that's considered fighting, you know, standing up to Trump, tweeting for right. the country. Resist. Uh, you know, then why would they Why would they want to be involved in Taiwan and China? I don't know. That's, that's why I wonder, we ask this question of a lot of people, you know, is, is the, the culture war a product of America's enemies? Sowing divisions online. I mean, we, we, we heard all the reports of, you know, Russian interference and how Russia had been running different sides of the culture war. So the impact was microscopic, first and foremost. But what they would do is these, these, uh, internet trolls would create a Black Lives Matter Facebook page and then like an anti-Black Lives Matter page and then they would organize protests around each other so that those conflicts could happen. Granted, 
it doesn't seem like they had a, a tremendous impact. But when I look at what's happening in the U.S., the – I mean, how about this? What was it? Colin Kaepernick, I think, complained about the American flag shoe and they banned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Betsy Ross That's, flag. That, that is one of the most psychotic and insane things I've ever heard. One of the One of the symbols of the founding of this country. When you lose that cohesion, you fall apart. And now look at where we are. You look at what Afghanistan, no, no social cohesion, no national identity, and they just collapse. No cultural identity, except for the Taliban, of course, and they sweep in like that because they've got a passion for their cause. Now you look at what's happening with the 1619 Project, wokeness, critical race applied principles, and you have an entire faction of people who don't like this country. I'll tell you this. I think it was, uh, was it Jimmy Fallon? He did, uh, was yeah. it, was it Fallon? He did a uh, census data came out, and it shows that for the first time, the, the white population has shrunk, and the audience starts busting out clapping and cheering. And then he looks like, why are you, like, what? Hmm. I, didn't, I didn't watch the whole show, but I saw that clip, and it was, why were they clapping for that? I mean, Probably, probably 80% of the audience was white. No, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you think about the self-destructive nature of these, these white uh, establishment liberal type personalities but i think a lot of the conversations um in this in this arena i think is also people are just bored out of their mind and they're looking for 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 reason to belong some somewhere someplace you're, you're and to accomplish like why not go help a local soup kitchen and they get involved in stupidity like you're not you're not changing anything and then they sit there and clap. You're clapping for what? It's 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 strange. But wha- how how about we all agree that China is a major threat and we can rally around defending you know the people of Taiwan or standing up for them or having a, having a cohesive meth- uh, message of you know we will defend our allies. Instead, it's just I don't know, man. Ragging on people based on their race or gender or just self-loathing and hating themselves. I'm not but I, I think I think many people who uh, you know supposedly is, are self-loathing as based on their racial or ethnic background, I think a lot of it is not real. I think they they it's just a genre to get retweets or to I get atten- uh, to get attention. I mean it, it's it's not it's not legit. I mean probably 95 percent, you know, in the past at least, 95 percent people in the U.S. would live in communities that reflect their own ethnicity or culture or marry into uh, families uh, that fit their culture and ethnicity. So a lot of these uh, a lot of these posts and, and videos and articles, I think it's just people looking for attention to be uh, <coughs> relevant. They want to get along on the bandwagon of something. Um, but, but the point is it shows that we have nothing that unifies us. It's, or, it's, it's, uh, it's what unifies us is our hatred for each other in this country. Okay. And so you have, it's, you have the culture war, the culture war left and the culture war right. And there's some overlap and weird. It's like we should draw a map. It would be so maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's the byproduct of having peace and prosperity. You don't have the worries and concerns that we uh, do though. We have, we have China, we, we have sh- Russia, but, we have Iran. But then, Venezuela. but then, but then we are so partisan these days that people, uh, w- would take positions on foreign policy based on which president can get more credit or more hits over the head, you know, figuratively speaking. So it, it's, what I'm saying is, uh, uh, going back to the 70s and the 80s, even, you know, people were scared from, uh, the USSR at the time. Right. Pe- people, people ha- I think the minds of people were busy with, um, with the well-being of the U.S. But I think we, we, we live uh, for a generation already in a, in a situation where there's a lot of peace and a lot of prosperity. Okay, fine. I mean, there's been 9-11 and other stuff. But relatively speaking, it's not – people don't wake up every day. You have this big Russian monster, the big USSR. People they tried. 
Yeah, but but people don't feel people of don't course, feel it this way the last 20, 30 years. So you have a a whole generation, our generation, being raised spoiled brats, mm-hmm. and we have the world at our fingertips. And then we see people writing interesting articles, and they get the retweets and the likes, and they get invited on TV, and they want in on it. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's a shame because so much of this energy can be used can be used on bringing people together on concerns that are legitimate concerns about um, you take the issue take the issue of uh, you know please please brutality that's very popular in the liberal field. I think at this this day and age. I think a lot of people will admit that there are reforms that can be had in law enforcement. But if you make everything a racial issue when there are multiple incidents of police officers who are minority physically abusing fellow minorities, then obviously the issue of the issues of of challenges in law enforcement is not exclusively or not only or not primarily race based. So why are you making it about race when I think there needs to be some overall who gets hired, how they're hired, the training I mean, uh, your standard police officer. Again, I'm not. I'm not picking on police officers as the individual. I'm talking about the training. They can sometimes pull over someone in the afternoon, sitting there with a family. It's 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 four o'clock in the afternoon. It's a family family man, if you will, and the tone is as if you just stopped as a a terror suspect. It's like everyone is dealt with as if they are a, a, a suspect of something. Something is wrong with the training. Yeah. Something is wrong with training a police officer that they can go this crazy, this quick against a person who is otherwise uh, a civilian. And then there's also a lack of accountability in law enforcement. Um, I'm not saying now the wall of blue silence or whatever how it's called. It's just, you know, it, it's who, who who is accountable to whom. So in a, so a lot of these things, I think, lead to, to challenges in how to police a community. So rather than people coming together, law enforcement and civilians, people from all backgrounds to to pass laws and rules how to make things better, the whole conversation gets hijacked about race. And once you do that, you lose half the country. Yep. And that's why, again, let me just wrap it up with this, and that's why we're debating today, in 2021, the same issues of police brutality that we did 20, 30 years ago without much change. I think we're missing uh, uh, cohesive suffering as a society, we, right. we have or, or suffering or worry or concern, such as you had with Russia, the, thirty-four years. The Russia thing years, helped yeah. a lot. Like fear and worry is helpful, but real suffering you can is undeniable. Like if if I'm suffering and the police officer are both suffering because we're both looking for food, I'm like, okay, we're both in a bad place. You have it a little worse because you've got to go fight guys for a living. But at least we can get we can agree we're both suffering and we have a shared focus as a species to get food. But now that's completely in the United States there's no suffering. My I have to induce it on myself. Psychedelics even, make you even, suffer. Correct. Even 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 basic crime rates. However bad things are the last 12 months, if if you want to compare it to to the 1990s, I mean 20 25 years ago, it's beautiful. Again, God forbid, uh, you know, any single person getting attacked or the I'm not speaking about the individual victim. But again, as a society it's generally more safe to go out on this. People have less worry as they had 20, 40 years ago. And that, I think, that's, people, think people just going crazy. No, I, I, think, going I, crazy. I think you got to rephrase it. People have less to worry about, but they're more worried than ever. Okay, it's because because we, we all have our exactly. phones. As, uh, so this someone, is, someone just uh, you know texted me, I shouldn't use my phone while I'm on the show. <laughs> you know, it's that bad. This is, this is uh, the thing about police brutality that I've brought up several times. 
The reason there's such a hyper focus on it is because it plays well for social media. People know that if they post these videos, if they complain about it, they'll get clicks, retweets, and followers. So they, they played into it. It's shock content. It's violent content. And it's an injustice. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with all of that. In other words, I understand the, the drive that people have, uh, you know, to get... Uh, no, but what I'm saying the, is the only thing they'll see is that. They don't meaning get a dose they don't, of reality. They, oh, oh, okay. In other words, they don't want to see a fix or solution and, and no, no, so no, 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 no. You, you got a 10-year-old kid. He goes on Facebook for the first time, and 50 adults are sharing police brutality for, for retweets, for shares. That kid will see nothing but police brutality. Ten years later, say they're born in 2010, or let's say they're born in 2000, they're 10 years old in 2010, they get on Twitter or whatever, they're not supposed to, they're too young, <clears> but they do anyway, they see endless streams of police brutality for a decade. Then they're 20 going, why won't anyone do anything about this? And it's like, bro, turn off the phone and go outside. It's not happening. It happens. Right. It's, it's, it's bad a, when it it's does. A, it's a valid point. In other words, the the the, the reality becomes misconstrued. It becomes uh, it becomes uh, all messed up. Things are not sometimes as bad as people think, uh, as it is. Be- as you said, um, there's a, there's you know the, the video the videos of a of a police officer you know playing basketball with a local uh, with a couple of kids is not going to get so much attention as a police officer doing something bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, but again, okay. No, I was going to say that there's there's similar criticism to go to uh in in today's sense with uh, antifa violence and and BLM rights and stuff. Uh footage that gets recycled over and over and over again because it plays well. But I would say that tendency is more the exception and not the rule because the media mostly ignores it and it doesn't play well. It doesn't play well. Yeah, but well. Tim, you know, there's, there's this old joke uh, you have. I don't know how many flights in the air at, a, at any given time, 7,000, whatever. The, all those flights landing, you're not going to have a reporter. Well, look, there's another plane landing. Right. Mm-hmm. Another plane. You have one plane, even the three people on it, uh, you know, crashing down on the freeway. Right, exactly. It's going to become national news. That's how humans are. Right. So, so the issue is someone could share a video of Antifa, and it'll play well with some people who are like, this is bad. But police brutality makes everyone, even conservatives, get angry. So if you look at like George Floyd, for instance, you know, you get people like Ben Shapiro and Sean Hannity coming up, being like, "We are, we are, we are upset by this." Correct. So I, I'm not, I don't have a problem police brutality being a discussion because I think there are reforms to be had. What I'm saying is that the the the, the solution of it. I think a couple uh, six weeks ago there were a couple of police officers who beat up a child, uh, a teenager, or whatever, in a retail store. Um. I think uh, two of the officers, at a minimum, were minority officers, and the v- the victim was also. Awesome. It, it wasn't even a story. So that's the, the, the what I'm trying to tell. What I'm trying to say is this: I understand the the the, the shock value. You know why it becomes news, but I'm I'm also saying that a lot of times people don't want to have real solutions. Of course, they want to fit into into a certain narrative, a certain agenda for whatever reason, and therefore things don't get corrected such as so many issues on police brutality because I think some of the core causes are not addressed. Who gets hired? Sometimes crazies get hired into law enforcement. Complete clowns get hired and you don't have a good screening process. And then the training sometimes is, is, is insane. And then sometimes a lack of oversight. So if, if, if you don't address any of these core issues and you, and you only focus, let's say, on race, then so many of these inc- incidents will not get fixed. So what, going back to what I said a minute ago, and as you said it uh, correctly, there isn't a shared suffering, a shared worry, and so people have extra time in their mind. How how can I how can I become busy? 
and then you have, have a so- cause have a cause and then you have social media and you see you know certain things play well you want to get along on it and you can make a lot of money spreading negative Correct. information you get Correct. very famous very quickly on the internet because that stuff spreads like wildfire negative information or information that's very popular at the time it's like if you notice in institutional media uh you know i have it sometimes in in the private practice um <clears throat> when i when clients retain me and i need to work with them on on media outreach it's like if you want to pitch a story to a reporter, if if no other journalist picked it up, that that journalist is going to say, "No, I I don't know why why will I do it?" And, that's, and sometimes, if one person ha- has it, everyone has it. So people like to people like to jump on a narrative, abandoning. Yeah. It's an impossible problem to solve. You know, mentioning the the negative money cycle, the ne- I'm sorry, the negative news cycle and the money made. Because I mean, what are we doing? We're 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 going on a show. We're saying, "Oh, look at what's happened here, and that's bad, and this is bad, and we're it's it's almost kind of a." Uh, uh, it, it's it's kind of a it's it's a recursive loop of us being like people sharing negative information on the internet is is bad. It's like literally doing that in this in this mm-hmm. space of doing it. Now here's the point I'm making: What would happen if we decided to stop talking about the things we thought were were, were bad and and we stopped talking about the news and these negative things? Then you would have more and more bad things happen because people wouldn't be paying attention and and it would be allowed to fester and grow. So I think if you go to any person, even a, a Black Lives Matter activist who's saying police brutality twenty four seven. Well, they're going to be like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing this because I want to be rich. I'm doing it because police brutality is a problem. And then when you're like, yeah, but when you have 100,000 people posting police brutality over and over and over and and kids don't see anything else, it's making them lose their minds. I don't know how you solve for that problem. People are allowed to be passionate and fight for what they believe in. I think it's a balance of um, you. too much talking about problems creates more problems. Mm -hmm. Not enough talking about problems creates more problems because they're not being addressed. So you want to address them and then solve them. And then not address them anymore, uh, unless they're still a problem and the solution didn't work. And then you got to readdress them and Make, address a new solution. Right but the equation. A problem without a solution is basically lighting the bigger, yourself the on bigger, fire. But the bigger problem is again. Let's talk about a problem: is that people sometimes don't want a solution outside of a set narrative. Right. I think that's more destructive than people talking about problems. I love that. Then we can debate the solution as opposed to debating yeah, the problem. We know I, what the problem is. Yeah. A lot but, of times, yeah, and but, maybe. But the people don't want to have uh, – uh, people don't want to debate the solution. I, I have a friend, a very, very liberal uh, friend, and I told him that police brutality has many factors not related – Not uh, police brutality has many uh, factors not related to, to racism. He, he was ready to, to bite my head off, but then I explained you know, some of the thinking. As I did a couple of minutes ago, he was willing to, to listen. So I don't think the issue is, you know, we, we can talk about problems all day. China, Taiwan, um, inflation, the border, Afghanistan. But the, the, I think where people get stuck is having constructive conversations about solutions. It's also good to debate problems because sometimes you'll see a problem in a different way than someone else. I think a lot of them with critical race, especially that some like Robin D'Angelo, I'd like to have her on the show and talk to her because I think she sees the problem differently than I do. And if we can somehow redefine the problem to a place that we can both understand – then we can start redefining a solution that but, might but, right. But like he said, some people don't want solutions, mm. and, and I don't think she does. She does not. Maybe she, she yeah. doesn't. She says but everything people, is racist, no matter what. She makes money. We off change it. like what we want cha- can change. So she maybe she will one day start to want solutions. That's and that's yeah. Th- th- and this, give up this, all her money. This maybe, brings yeah. me yeah. Maybe. This brings me this brings me to another point um, that many people do not want to fix a certain problem. They do not want to have a solution. It's like. People think, uh, you know, if only you're going to show people numbers about coronavirus and this age and that age, 
then people will change their opinion about uh, vaccine passports. They don't care. They want everyone to have a vaccine passport. Yeah. They don't want to hear different information. And if you give them information from the CDC, oh, it's this, you know, they give you the buzzwords of you're spreading disinformation. Some people are sold or hooked on a certain narrative and they don't care about fixing it. Let me give, I'll give you an example. So during the, the Mediterranean ref, uh, re- migrant crisis, it was the migrant crisis because even the UN came out and said, uh, oh, actually, let me start over. So, uh, we had this crisis, I'm sure many of you are familiar with, where you had a lot of people from Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq and other Middle Eastern countries fleeing through the eastern Mediterranean uh, uh, from like Syria into, say, you know, into Europe and things like that. And that was the result of a lot of the conflict in the Middle East. But it quickly turned into a North African um, migrant yeah, crisis, migrant crisis yeah. where the UN said these people are economic migrants, not refugees. Now, I, I made that distinction when I reported on it at the start of the refugee crisis. I'm like, refugees are fleeing from the east. Then later on, it was like the new, the latest information says they're actually coming from North Africa and they're coming, you know, into Libya. And then they're trying to come into Europe. These are not refugees for the most part. They're ep- economic migrants looking for work. I had a friend who was posting all this activist stuff and I was talking to her, someone I've known for a really long time. And when I said, Hey, here's the latest report from the UN, these, you know, clearly states these are economic migrants. So, we can certainly try and defend their lives. We don't want them to, to drown or anything. But I think the distinction is important when we're trying to address what these people are looking for. Block. She, just, she, she literally just blocked me. Mm. She did not want to hear the truth about what the UN was saying about this crisis. So a friend of mine blocked me. That's how entrenched in ideologies people are. They don't want a solution. They don't want to know what's going on. They have this tribal desire to say, I'm on the right side of history. This is what my, my, my community says. And nothing else matters. And so what happens when you have an ideology like that? It's basically a religion. You'll never stop, even if you win. Not with text. You can't conv- convince those people with text. You got to talk to them. And you got to hit them when they're not expecting it with your voice. Real subtle and like in your tone that's very like cordial and understanding and, and calm and committing. And then all of a sudden, before they realize it, they believe what you said. It's, I, I, yeah, but, but, but I think, um, I think the person who blocked Tim is – the person was probably worked up about a certain cause and Tim was just there, you know, taking it away. Now what? Right. Which takes us back to what we discussed, the start of discussing 10 minutes ago. People lose a sense of belonging or accomplishing. Waking up in the morning, fine. You work, you go to school or whatever you do, you have family and then what? People, people like action in terms of activity, accomplishing. It, it used to, to worry about, uh, about something, didn't have anything. It used to be religion. Yeah. It used to be that making sure you were doing right by whatever your religious doctrine said. Uh, for a lot of people in America, it was doing right by God and, and living a, 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 you know, the right the, kind of life. By the way, can I make a point? Um, people say that they're going to be in the right side of history. Hmm. Why, why do we need to wait for history? It's because the prism of history is usually opposite of what has been believed to be the right thing at the time. Hmm. So you can't be thinking you're right now and going to be right through the prism of history. And also... You get the point? Yeah, I think a lot about people, great people that are alive today that are receiving a lot of suffering or media, like just negativity is like, dude, you're going to be retrobated in the future, man. Can we just just think about what that means, the right side of history? They're not saying they're correct. They're saying in time we will crush you. That's what they're saying. Okay, that's that's a more cynical way of putting it. And maybe but that's history true too. is written by the victors. Look, correct, correct. Mark. But there's also but the the real meaning of history will judge this way or that way is that a lot of times things which seem to be popular and accepted at the time turned out through the prism of history to be seen as crazy and insane and abusive. 
So if you are now, if your political or policy position now is popular, it's what, it's 95% of media output, it's, it's cool and hip, there's a big chance that history is going to look at it differently, which is why we need to wait for history, although as he said, the victor writes history. You want it, so. Yeah, I'll tell you what's funny is when you hear that during the civil rights era, what were uh, uh, proponents of segregation saying? It's a private business. Freedom to associate. They can exclude anybody you want from their private business. And we said, nah, you can't do that anymore, which I think is the right decision. Now you look at where we're at with big tech censorship of certain political opinions, and it's the establishment Democrat liberal types saying, but they're a private business. They can do what they want. Just absolutely bending the knee to massive multinational corporations and literally being on the side of private businesses like yeah, but the I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the the standard Democrat that favors um, the, the censorship does so to bend the knee to to a big corporation. They're doing it because, you know, list me five um, non-conservatives that have been suspended by Twitter, real people except for the. the there's, there's actually the, there's the, a lot. No, the, the big guys, not the big names, off of TV and so forth. It's very limited on the Republican side, or not even Republican, just. The right-leaning side, the conservative side, every other day another person goes go, goes missing. There are a lot of anti-war left and anti-capitalist left who have been banned. But Big vi- names? Big names? I, w- I, w- I would say— Household names, like, uh, it's very difficult to find. You, you have the—who's the person who made that head from Trump? What's her name? Oh, Kathy, Kathy, Kathy Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. yeah. You, there, w- there is not one conservative, not one person in, in, in the right side of politics, not the right, is the conservative or the right-leaning side, that can do anything— that she has done and still be alive on Twitter. That was pretty and, brutal. And, and not well, just she that. Not just, not, oh, she's on no, Twitter still. Yeah, she? she's still. And the same thing. <laughs> what's his game? Keith, Keith Oberman. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, Every, my gosh. No, no. The 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 the, the he's abusive. I, I like to tell people like troll or mute me. You know, I, I like to kid around to people. If some you know if someone is out there on Twitter and takes it you know personal, okay, you know I'll stop. He he go he goes off the rails every other tweet in abusive language, all a violation of the Twitter rules, and he's still there. Point being, I don't think uh, Democrats are on the side of the big corporations. They're just happy that the big corporations oh, of tend to be staffed apparently mostly by uh, people who are aligned. Politically. Like, but, but, but look at it this way. When they're happy that Twitter, for instance, is going to remove their political opponents, they're laying down their sword. They're saying, we're not going to go after them because we, we're, we're benefiting from this. Absolutely. So it's, it's like, yeah. you know. Application I, 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 of responsibility. The bending the knee. It's the corporations breaking social norms. It's destroying our culture and our country. And they're going to them saying, but I get what I want. So carry on, good sir. Exactly. And, and, and I think um, we have seen a lot of hate from Democrats in Washington against Facebook over the last five years. Because Facebook did one thing. They treated Trump in 2016 as a client, and they worked with him. And they were not going to forgive Facebook for treating Trump as a client. Because they treat Ben Shapiro like a client. And, and they kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, to keep uh, – Facebook kept on getting much more heat from Washington than, than the Twitter. And I think it's just payback for how they were. And, and, and not only this, I think people think that um, Trump won. He had these narrow wins by utilizing Facebook as an, as an instrument – and people don't want to forget uh, forgive uh, Facebook. This is it, it is a First Amendment issue. What we were talking about earlier about defining the problems and agreeing on the problems, what they mean and what they are, and solutions. Being able to talk and define those things. If we can't do that on social media or in a public place, then our First Amendment is being violated, 
and we're not going to be able to solve any of yeah, our problems. But, but but many people don't care. I, I think we all have this cute assumption that everyone who lives in the U.S. or was born in the U.S. favors individualism, private mm-hmm. property rights, gun rights, freedom of speech, religious freedom. Why? Why do we have the assumption that every person who you meet on the street is just believes in standard, you know, core American values that I just listed, and maybe they have a different perspective on the minimum wage if it should be uh, 10 or $15. No, you have a lot of people who who subscribe to, to a, a fascist perspective or to a, 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 a Stalinist perspective, and not because they're bad people, because they, ha- they have generally a different v- worldview than you may have or I may have. So we have this assumption that everyone is out there just thinking and believing and wanting the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, gun rights, gun rights and and um, and and individualism, private properties, the the, the freedom to to send the, your child to school and to get an education and to work and we'll debate, you know, if we need to have a lockdown for a week or no, many people do not want that. They absolutely do not care. They do not share the same values as you do on these basic uh, American principles that were popular a generation or two ago. So then you tell them, well, uh, you know, you can't debate it. Okay. They don't care. They don't care. I'll I'll just stress this too, and it's the establishment Democrats for the most part. My favorite example is that when you ask an independent voter or Republican how the economy is doing, they'll say fairly bad. Democrats say fairly good. But if you actually look at the data, it's like really bad. Yeah, but this, but this, I think, uh, uh, this can be influenced by, uh, what you said is, uh, you know, it's become a popular buzzword, the tribalism. What I'm saying, but but they're they're adhering to the authority, the media. The media and the system and the political establishment say it's true, so it's true. The critical thinkers who are like, show me the evidence. This is, uh, I think this is why you get, you get the culture war break apart, uh, with left and right as it is. Establishment Democrat types will just say something today and then contradict themselves tomorrow. They'll scream and cry about a conservative doing something and then do it themselves because they don't care about principle. They care about following the authority. Correct. Uh, you know, the, um, I, I wrote this on Twitter a couple of times. Um, one of the people who attended the Obama birthday party released videos, and she apologized for releasing the video. Er- Erica Badu, right? Uh, yeah. So I, I, asked, I asked on Twitter, why do you need to apologize? I think other people should release videos too, like – if you think that you have done something which is okay, release the video. But they, they want to hide it. They want to they wanna deny that they attended this event. Wh- wh- why? Probably because there are people there who favor lockdowns, who favor vaccine passports. It has nothing to do right. with – not because they're concerned about coronavirus. They have a certain worldview of how societies need to be run. And it doesn't mean that they personally fear – Coronavirus. If yes, they wouldn't go to the event. So they're being a fan of, let's say, the vaccine passport. To many of those people, is not out of fear of coronavirus. Many people are worked up. To many people, it's just they think that this is how society should run. There should be a, a stricter regime about uh, um, uh, vaccines. So those people have no problem going to an event next day without a mask or something. It's because they don't have a problem with it. Rules for thee, but not yeah, for Yeah, correct. There's a, there's a simple question that I think all of you can uh, benefit from. Ian. Yes, Tim. Do you think vaccines are good things? Well, I mean, a vaccine done right, yes, is a good thing. Do you think that people should have the choice to make medical de- decisions for themselves? Often, there are situations where emergencies may require that people submit to authority for the greater good. 
which is terrifying to say. Are but you saying yes or no? Should people have the right to choose medical decisions about what they do with their body? Sometimes. So the answer is no. You think it, it's, I, it's I mean, I, rights are given, you know? So people should, you're saying people should not have the choice. I think that in a free society, um, yeah, but if, you know, you're, you're under martial lockdown and, and like, uh, cholera breaks out and you, you're able to vaccinate all the, the people, all right, all right. The, it's then, simple. then it's you kind of got to do it right. without asking. Ab- absolutely. You know? It's really simple. Ian, you're an authoritarian. In sometimes there's some, no, sometimes no, 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 no. there's value there's, to, to staging authority. Yeah, uh, libertarians typically don't take authoritarian positions. Well, what, are you, what are you going to do if you have seven thousand people and they all have a, a vicious virus that's mutating and uh, mer- making them bleed from their eyes? And you have the vaccine, but what are you going to go ask everyone for their permission? Yes, that's not how it works, what? dude. That's not how smallpox right, right, right. worked. That's that's sometimes there's an emergency where right. You, so you accept and authoritarianism sometimes, but the problem I have is I think people are overblowing COVID. Can I? Can I? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Like you, the, 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 the challenge with you, Ian, is you can't just you're trying to get a, a black and a white answer, man. That's just not the way things. People work. should have a right to choose their own medical decisions, and they should go talk to doctors about what makes well, sense. For what them. about the smallpox vaccine? I still think people have a right to choose for themselves. They didn't though. That was like forced on people. Okay. The, but, the, the issue now is that with the mandates. The argument is whether or not people have a choice. You have establishment, uh, uh, even some you know neocon types who are saying people should not have a choice at all, I and think they're coming out on media and saying do everything possible to harm them until they capitulate. I think the that's authoritarianism. The question should be: Is COVID dangerous enough that it warrants no. giving people no choice? That's your private medical decision with your doctor. That's my whether belief overall of the structure of society. That's how I think we should look at diseases. Right, right, right. Ian. It's really simple. It is. You're an authoritarian. I mean, not but not generally, but I understand the value of authority from time to time. People who fall on the libertarian spectrum typically say things like, okay, so a libertarian approach to this would be like my opinion. And, and, and the one I genuinely thought you'd have is vaccines are fantastic, amazing technology. In fact, I'm looking over the mRNA stuff. It sounds really, really fascinating and amazing. And I can't tell someone to do with, the, with what, what they should do with their body because I believe that we have to respect the individual's right to choose. So what we can do is private businesses. If they say they want to mandate mask, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to, you know, make an issue of a mom and pop shop saying you can't come in my store within reason. Because I, as we already mentioned with civil rights, I think there are limits. So I certainly respect uh, the power of authority in certain instances, which is why I said typically when I say I'm left libertarian, I'm not big L libertarian. I say I'm usually liberal because I actually think some things I agree with you in, in that sense. Yeah, but Tim, I, I, I think you're setting it up. It's like asking someone, is food a good thing or not? Tell me, is food good or not? Um, yeah, it is good. Oh, so you favor obesity. No, I'm not, I don't favor <laughs> obesity. Oh, so you want people to die from hunger. I think so much of the discussion, again, I, I'm glad how you, you framed the question because I think people need to think what they believe, whether it's Ian or your audience or myself and you. But a lot of times, the, the the question, as I just said, it is: Do you favor food or not? If you, you know, if you favor food, but it, 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 so so the same thing is 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 the concept of vaccines good? Uh, amazing. Have you seen how the world has changed uh, over the years? Of course. But then, therefore, because it's good, like you know, do you believe in science? Or you don't believe in science. Well, if you don't believe in science, why do you fly an airplane? Well, just because I believe in science doesn't mean every clown that puts together a couple of wires, I'm going to sit sit onto it and 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 take off. Uh, right. So, so in, in, in this particular instance, you know, I'm not saying in the greater of, of, of everything related to Ian's character. And the point I was trying to get to is when I mention civil rights, I say I think it's good that there were mandates and that there, that there is respect for certain instances of authority. The issue is that you've got people who are looking at the media and saying, I want to see the information. I want to see the data and make that choice for myself and how that plays into the greater society and the decisions, decisions we make. And then you have people saying, shut up and do as you're told. 
because as because no because as I said before they are authoritarian or they are they are Stalinists they they are fascists they they are not inter they they don't think or believe that people should have a certain level of liberty and choice and right. uh, and therefore they push against it you know a point that I that I uh, try to make often is um you know now that it's an emergency we need to have lockdowns this and that what I try to argue is. The, the, the authoritarian, the despot, do you think he goes out there and announces, hi everyone, I'm a despot, I want to take away your rights, stay home tonight. It doesn't work this way. It's always packaged that there, that it's an emergency or there, it's for good of country. Uh, uh, so, so, I'm not saying that someone who favors a lockdown due to coronavirus is the same as a murderous, uh, a despot from 50 years ago. I'm saying that being in an emergency, isn't the reason to suspend rights because we need the rights because it's an emergency. Okay. When it's an emergency, when you want to challenge, that's exactly when we need it. I want to, I want to make sure I make, I, I act, clarify the point I'm trying to make. There are people who have told me that I'm a fascist because I said, I think taxes are fine. You know, I've had libertarians be like, taxation is theft. And I'm like, I think not paying taxes is theft because from my perspective, you know, we, we, we enter into uh, the society with 16 years of free life where you get roads, you get water, you get all of the regulations, you get police, fire department, EMS, and you pay no taxes because you're not working. Your parents are. And then when you get a job, they say, after your free 16 years, you can now start paying into the system. I'm being somewhat facetious and just making an argument. But people have said, that's, you know, authoritarian or fascistic to force me to pay for you and all that stuff. And I'm like, then stop coming to my town and driving in my roads or wherever. The point I'm making is, it's it's less about the principles of being being free and letting people do whatever they want, which libertarians certainly are. Like big L libertarians are basically like, do your thing, leave me alone. I'll do my thing. I'll leave you alone. It's 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 personal moral ethics, I suppose. When an individual says, I don't think she'll be able to segregate on the basis of race, it's not so much about the principle of freedom. It's about what weighs more in your mind uh, morally. I think rejecting someone from a business who lives in the community and pays taxes is wrong if you're doing it for arbitrary reasons. Other people think I'm imposing, you know, authority over them. So that, that's the challenge. The challenge I'm so, so the, the, real, real quick, the point I'm making is, Ian, if I say, do you believe this? People will say you're an authoritarian because you believe we should have these measures. Even if on most things you're like, people should be free to do what they want. I, when I look at vaccines, I'm thinking about my, I got six when I was a baby. Um, hepatitis B, I think. I didn't ask for it. Authoritarian, authoritarianism reigns supreme. I was just injected as a baby. Um, and well, probably for the greater good. The MMR. We don't know. So worth, yeah. MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella would rubella. kill, kill people. I wasn't killed by it. I was vaccinated against my will. I didn't even have willpower at that point in my life. So in those cases, yeah, man, I guess I, I, I support authority. that from what I know. Parental authority too. But I mean, this is like military government. This is your, we this gotta is your keep parents people going alive to a doctor and the doctor giving them advice. Families. You're not going to make it seem like, you know, you're this is not, I think it's more about like the science, like the science. It's so vague, but like the reality, you can't make, if you're going to be a military commander and decide life and death for your troops and, and the enemy's troops, you need to know, you need to be, you need to do it right. But, uh, but, uh, again, a, a lot of people don't care. For example, uh, I want to give an interesting data point. Um, in New York City, the mayor, Bill de Blasio, announced uh, essentially vaccine passports to go to gyms and to restaurants. But if you're vaccinated against coronavirus, you'll be able to go into a restaurant. If not, you won't be able to. I, I have two questions. Num uh, one question based on two data points. According to Newsday, which is a Long Island newspaper, they asked the city, and the city said that in the first six and a half months of this year, 
only 1.1% of coronavirus cases were reinfections. That's not my data point. It's not pulled out of a hat. Again, Newsday reported it in the name of the New York City Health Department, saying that only 1.1% reinfections in New York City, 1.1% coronavirus cases in New York City, the first six and a half months of year were reinfections, which would probably tell you that as of now, I don't know for how long, as of now, natural immunity from coronavirus is holding up quite high again, as of now, based on the numbers from New York City from reinfections. On the flip side, we see Israel, which vaccinated its population before most other countries, is already pushing a third shot. There they have Pfizer, already pushing a third shot for people who are 50 or above. That is because over time, the vaccine efficiency starts going down. How long, how strong? I don't know, but it starts going down. More than half people last week in Israel in hospitals for coronavirus serious cases were people who were fully vaccinated. So I have a two data points. One showing, based on the Newsday story out of New York City data, that natural immunity is holding up quite strong for quite a while. At the same time, the vaccine, while it helps, it's the it's it's starting to wane. So why do you have a passport in New York City based on vaccination and not based on immunity? If a person can show that they still have a certain level of antibodies... But didn't they say what, negative tests? What is it? Well? Negative tests allow you entry as well? Um, you can get I, I think that's only in certain institutions, but I don't think... I'm not, I'm not sure, but let's say in Israel, where they have the, 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 the vaccine passport, they do count if you were uh, infected in the past and still have a certain level of uh, antibodies. So there's, in other words, I'm more worked up by the fact that uh, you have Mark Levin. He is the, I think, the chairman of the New York City Council Health Commission uh, committee in the City Council, and I know him personally. I'm more worked up about him not giving any uh, legitimacy to people who have been affected, while he's all in for the vaccine passport. Even as we see that the, the efficiency starts falling over time, it helps. It brought down the numbers, but it starts falling over time. So why is this the only path? Again, you shouldn't have a pass at all. But if you're going to have a pass, why are you not it's, it's playing ex- even-handed? Why, why, why are you playing games? They're 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 gaining power and authority. They're exactly. lazy, sub-intellect. I mean, most are people are. Not it's both. It's both. It's power and authority, or it's just lazy. It's like too complex. You know. Yeah, it's like what Ethan Klein said. You know, on H three H three podcast. Yeah. Just go, just look at this. By the way, why, think. I, if you notice before, I, I want to get to a point, another point. If you notice before, when I said that natural immunity from coronavirus is holding up pretty high based on the Newsday story based from New York City data of the first six and a half months of the year, why am I saying it like in one sentence? It's because if I don't, whoa, Yossi's just making up stuff. He's saying stuff. He's saying, it is, people don't people don't even want to have a conversation. They'll shut you down for misinformation, even if I'm giving you data from the New York City Health Department, the, as written by Newsday. Oh, when oh. the Democrats say science, they're actually saying consensus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you tweet the that too. That's smart. Yeah, because the scientists who who oppose these ideas are getting banned and shut down. People like uh, Dr. Brett Weinstein, for instance, who is an evolutionary biologist who certainly knows a bit about the area. I'm not going to like he's a virologist or anything, but they'll just say, he's wrong, shut him up. Science science said this. Well, uh, I don't know, the other science guy said something too. Yep. But I'll, I'll always end with this. A lot of people want to believe what they think makes the most sense for them based on their worldview. And then that doesn't always mean that you're going to be right. 
And I take a look at the current system, which I'm not a big fan of the government. I don't trust them all the time. But I certainly don't think they want people to die. Like, I, look, there's probably evil people somewhere and sometimes and they do bad things. But I, I think for the most part, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up and go to Super Chats. I really do think if you, you find a good doctor, someone who pays attention to the news and is well-read in their field, they're going to give you great advice. And become a doctor. Now yes, is the yes, time. Yeah, but, but, but Tim, I don't, but, doctor, I, but, but, Tim I, I don't think the baseline is, I don't think the baseline is if people want you to die or not. I, I have a problem, again, not as a, I have a problem, but I'm perplexed why someone who is, he's a normal person, a normal person will probably have a cell number. Why would he dismiss, uh, the fact that the efficiency of the vaccine is dropping over time as you see a third shot is being pushed? So wh- why why are you dismissing this? Why are you dismissing? Well, why are you dismissing the? There was one study I think came out we, we had on tipguest.com showing that AstraZeneca and Pfizer, uh, I think it was Pfizer, have actually maintained their efficiency according to a study on uh, people in the U.S. So, um, so the issue is, you'll read some stories and then you'll say, "How come they're dismissing this?" And then I'll read a story. But but say, I have an answer. Dismissing? But I have an answer because right. because Pfizer was pushed in Israel. Uh, earlier than probably any other country or one of the first few. So Israel is seeing the outcome of Pfizer um, ahead of other countries, which is Pfizer works. The vaccine, the double shots work, and therefore the numbers came down. And even Florida, everyone was busy the last few weeks, oh, Florida, Florida. Florida's death rate this year in the summer, death numbers from coronavirus were much lower than the same time last year. So the debate is not if it works. The question is for how long it works and how effective it is and why are you dismissing people who, for now, again, it may change, and I think it will be worrisome if it becomes more widespread, that as of now, based on New York City data, only 1.1% cases the first half of the year, a little bit more than that, were reinfections. Why are you dismissing that? Were uh, of those people, were, how many of them were vaccinated? Of, of the 1.1%? Yeah. Or of the people that received covid only 1.1% were reinfected yeah. do you know how many of the no, wide I don't know. no the, the no the 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 reporter mentions that he asked the city for it and, and they didn't answer but the city has a criteria if someone was if someone had coronavirus 90 days or more before the current infection that would be counted as a reinfection and for six and a half months in new york city it's not a small place for six and a half months city data as reported by news less than two weeks ago only 1.1% were reinfections which is is an amazing number so if you if 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 the CDC says that people with with the vaccine can have coronavirus and can carry it, so how does the pass help you? You're giving a pass to someone who can spread corona. It, it's off the rails. And again, I'm not bothered so much by the insanity of the policies which take away the freedoms, of the fact that people do not want to. They're not serious about having a conversation. They don't care. They just hung up on something and finished. All right, let's go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Send in the Super Chats. Go to TimCast.com. Become a member. We're going to have a members-only segment coming up around 11 or so p.m. That's when it goes up. But let's read some of these Super Chats. We got Flimsy Fox says, We as a nation have a history of not doing what we say we're going to do internationally. The issue with the Taliban in Afghanistan is of our own making. Biden backed out, but Trump should have put the date before the next term. Yeah. Mm. Let's see. Pucka says, hey, Tim, I'm a member of your website. Recently, I've been getting this message saying my account is inactive. What's happening? Um, send an email to members at timcast.com. It could be that your uh, card doesn't work. Um, it's, it's, it's really amazing. That, that, that's customer service right there, isn't it? You get to message the show, and I tell you, <laughs> right to you, uh, if, like, if, if your card didn't go through properly, then you'll get like, an active message. So you can member, uh, you can email members at timcast.com and then someone will get you sorted. 
Taylor Norheim says this has happened, uh, happened before, and it will happen again. Mm. All right. Mike G says, Tim, Ian was spot on about DeFranco last week. I used to work for him about six years ago, and he was one of the worst bosses I've ever had. So arrogant. Really? What did I say? It said here. Uh, you were saying something uh, like about him being in the er- in the early days of YouTube. I would make internet internet videos, and we would go on stickum dot com and talk. And Phil would come into my chat rooms, and we'd hang out. And then I met him at a seven seven up at YouTube Live up in San Francisco. I always really liked him. Like mm-hmm. I still like. He's really smart, really fearless. But I don't know about his politics. I, I haven't talked to him in like a decade. Yeah, I, I've I've met him a couple times, and the the thing we did with talking about Felt DeFranco is that all of a sudden now he's posting with these really mean, like it's just well, I don't know what the right word is for it. It's like hate filled, like yeah. just not solution oriented, not calm, not rational, just telling people f you. And he's been on the wrong side of a, a decent amount of news stories. Like Covington Kids is a really good example. And I'm just like, what happened to us? You know, like how we've become this like. Maybe I shouldn't say us. Maybe I should say what happened to him. I don't know. No, no, it's good. Take, take responsibility. It's a lot of this texting, I think. I agree. I think social media is driving us all insane. Yeah, but, but look, I'll, I'll address that too. When I, when I said we're sitting here talking about negative news, like, I'm going to be fair. We started the vlog specifically to make fun stuff to counteract that. That's on the website. So you're not just going to be inundated with all this negativity all the time. Sometimes you're going to see us, you know, playing with chickens and we had baby chicks hatch and we're going to be filming that and stuff and playing D&D. We're doing, we're doing a, a, sto- a Tales of Intrigue, like paranormal mystery show. We're trying to create a balance of the information people get so they're not inundated by this. But so many people have just become vile, nasty people. I think people are vile and nasty um, by nature. It's just we see it more because information travels quicker these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And infamy is a little bit like popular on social media, you know, going crazy and dropping a bomb, so to speak. Yeah, Figuratively speaking, I think uh, people equal like equal amounts it. of money being infamous and, or being famous these mm-hmm. days, yeah, it seems yeah. like. Kyle Miller says, when I said that Kabul is going to be the Saigon of our generation on Friday, I did not expect it to happen over the weekend. Wasn't that wild? That was, uh, uh, you, you, Kyle, you nailed it. Kyle Miller with the prediction. But I think, I think a lot of people were seeing the, the, you know, the, the, seeing the lines being drawn, you know, they knew what was coming. And here we are. It's a bummer, man. Michael McCord said, did I just see Adrian Curry in the live chat? LOL. Yes, you did. Adrian, how's it going? What's up, yeah, man? Hey. We got to come back on the show sometime. Yeah. You love to travel. David Aloa says, why would you ever conclude DJT would bomb when Trump has never wanted to sacrifice lives? If it was an accidental casualty, uh, it, it was an accidental casualty when he took out uh, uh, Soleimani. Um, with Trump. I'm not. Yes, he, he he called off that airstrike on Iran. Said he didn't want the, the the amount of lives that would be lost would be bad. When the Taliban is overrunning towns and there's active combat, do you think that Trump wouldn't be like, "We need an airstrike on enemy combatants storming the city and threatening to kill"? Trump wouldn't want a Benghazi, especially yeah, especially if they are between two uh, two cities there in like some desert or something. Smoke them out, as Bush would say. I think Trump absolutely. Uh, Trump, uh, one of the first things he did as a president was he uh, ordered a commando raid in Yemen, which resulted in the death of an eight-year-old American girl. Uh, you, we can pretend like you know Trump was the hero who's going to save all these lives, but he did a lot of things that many other presidents did. I just preferred the fact that he was like, I'm getting out of Afghanistan and then started working on ending, you know, ending this stuff, getting our troops out of Syria. I don't think any of them are perfect. I don't think Trump is perfect. And I, th- I think the problem with Trump and with even some of Obama's early orders is that they've got this permanent government, people who are appointed to bureaucratic positions, and then you get a president who sits down and says, now I, I want to do X, and they go, read this. 
Then the president reads it and says, what should we do? And they say, trust me, we'll do this. And the president says, you got it and signs off on it. Yeah. Trump was probably going at first. Okay. I understand. Okay. And then finally started getting angrier. No, 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 we're not going to do this. No, I'm done. And they started lying to him. Then they started lying to the American people. Trump wanted to make moves and they wouldn't let him. The other presidents, Biden, he probably just says, sure, whatever. You know, you guys know better than I do. I don't want any trouble. Then you end up with a president like Obama killing a bunch of Americans, which he did, by the way. All right. Broskadoodle says, I disagree with how Trump would have handled it only because we didn't let the original deal play out. What he would do in this exact, is in this exact situation is irrelevant because you're playing in the hypothetical. I actually completely agree with that. And that's, that's the challenge uh, I, I mentioned earlier. We have no frame of reference. Trump isn't presiding over this, and we can only make assumptions based on what we think he would do. So it's really ba- based hard on to what based on what he said or did in in other instances. And maybe know? maybe it would have been different. We don't know. And yeah. that's that's why I okay, say. Okay. Well, and, and if this is the way we we discuss things, then half half political debates can you can be shut down because we don't know the person's not there, and you you don't you don't have a point of reference. I think we have to some extent. No, I think it's it's fair it's fair to point out that based on what Trump did, we can make assumptions about what we think he would do. Correct. But we can't have an argument with ourselves in our minds okay. about a president who's not in office. Yeah, it's it's not about uh, being uh, certain that he would do it, but it's you know to entertain it as a possibility, if not a the, probability. Yeah, worth the, the, the point is right now getting emotional about. At, you, you've got all these Democrats saying it's Trump's fault, and I'm like, Trump's not the president. All right. No, <laughs> Democrats saying it's Trump's fault. Then Biden goes out and says it's my credit. So, mm-hmm. but he did say I inherited this from yeah. Trump, and I yeah. had to make a hard decision. But the buck stops with me, and I'm like, all right, fine, I'll take it. You know. Sean DeBee says Trump was adamant about not leaving arms and equipment as a free for all. That is true, and there was a statement from Mike Pompeo where he said that uh, I think I think it was Trump or I can't remember who. Someone said to the Taliban that the full force of America will rain down on them if they violate the deal or, or, or things like that. And I think with Trump in office, the Taliban were like, all right, all right, we're going to get something out of this. And this dude's going to, okay, we don't want to, we don't want to mess with this guy. He's crazy. Okay. With Joe Biden, they're like, he's sleeping, run. And that's what you get, man. Jason Strait says cowardly of Biden to address the nation at 4 p.m., a busy time of day when no one is available to watch. In any case, anything he says rings hollow, as he's made it clear many times he's not uh, that he's not my president. Yeah, a lot of people said the same thing about Donald Trump. Um, the issue is, I, I can understand that Joe Biden doesn't represent, uh, in my opinion, everyone in this country, and that's like uh, I, I got to slow down. I'll give you the example: when COVID restrictions were being lifted in Texas and Florida, Biden came out and said we might have to have more lockdowns and things like that, as if Texas and Florida did not exist at all. Mm-hmm. As if these red states didn't exist. And so I think he's been do- doing a very, very bad job in that regard. And I think Jason is correct. Uh, a lot of people pointed out it was a 345, you know, scheduled press conference when people are at work. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? 8 p.m., you know, later in the evening when people have a chance to watch it. Whatever, yeah, but man. in the, I think, uh, 2021, people would just take out their phone and oh, yeah. watch it online or something. On demand. Yeah, basically. Sorta. I can't read your last name, says, why would an Islamic people who have been taught their entire lives that Westerners are bad, according to the Quran, embrace Western democracy? American politicians, media, and military officers have no respect or insight into other cultures. I don't know a lot about Islam. I think that one of the tenets of Islam is if you're backed into a corner, fight with everything you have, and they feel like they've been pushed into a corner economically as the military-industrial complexes spread throughout the region. 
this uh, is this, this is important. All right, go 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 ahead. No, no, no. I I think I think uh, it's possible that the religious perspective plays a role to some people, to some actors. But I think we can't dismiss the 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 human flow of things, as the example that I gave earlier about Canada. Imagine growing up twenty years having Canadian troops making checkpoints at every corner, and one day they play ball with you, and the next day. Uh, they arrest your uncle because he's supposedly a bad guy. Your uncle is in prison for two years. I think, I think this this. Excuse me. I think this puts um, the U.S. in an impossible position when they move into an area, and then what? All right, Jason Diaz says, "Who played civilization not to conquer anyone? Yo, cultural victories, man. Dude, science launch that spaceship, man. I you, keep thinking about this. If we had conquered in in civilization, have you ever played Civ? It's a the computer game." It's a great game. It's a world conquest. You can do it by culture. You can do it by science. You can do it you, by... You build a civilization. Uh, yeah, it's religion. You can do it by conquest. You don't have to I conquer the world through conquest. You I can do it most, through religion. The most uh, or culture. computer or game culture. that I played was um, Pac-Man or... Uh, but if you were to... Yes. Game Boys If you were to ago. conquer a desert mountain country like Afghanistan, and then there are all these cities... You'd have to spend so much money building libraries, uh, sewers, uh, marketplaces universities i mean you'd spend so much money bankrupt yourself like seven times it would be so i see how it's just an impossible win using the civilization metaphor well if like new civ you go to an area that's like a desert region there's no resources you just just raise it to the ground and leave no you cultural victory you, yeah, you i don't you, like conquest it's i like cultural victory it's where uh, it's basically in the game you export your culture your movies your your music and then other cult, other cu- countries are adopting your behaviors and then your borders expand and press on theirs, and then people are like, "That's way cooler than this." And then they rebel or abandon. Anyway, we got a, we got an actual important super chat here. Uh, no, no offense, Jason. I just mean it was a funny hokey one, but this one is like uh, uh, actually interesting. John Hutto says the 200k number uh, for Taliban fighters comes from a January 2021 West Point Counter Terror Center Volume 14 Issue One report, quoting a BBC report in 2018. From Dr. Dawood Azami in a tweet I tagged lids on. Very interesting that the initial source goes back to 2018, which would suggest that much of this growth happened under Obama and Biden. And by changing the source, it now makes it appear as though the latest development happened under Donald Trump. Love how media is played, isn't it? Shepard in studio says Cassandra's comment about Biden's speech was incredibly short-sighted. It was sculpted to achieve exactly the result she gave. Perhaps. But I think there's a rhetorical victory in the president coming out and repeating the words of what many anti-war activists have said for a long time about the wasted time and energy and money in Afghanistan. And it's vindication. It's it's getting them to admit that the anti-war crowd was right the whole time and they believe the same thing. Granted, Biden screwed this one up. I think Trump would have handled it very differently, but, you know. All right, let's see. Rick Howell says, Ian, we didn't see a lot of video during Vietnam. There were only three channels, no internet. Much of the video came out after the war. There was a lot of self-censorship then, too. Gore was not the huge draw it is now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, someone's got the correction for me. I stand corrected. Bill Hughes says they were not doing jumping jacks. They were being taught how to do the side straddle hop, which is a government jumping jack. Huh. Okay. So harder for no reason. No, but I'm glad we have the specific uh, name for it. All right. Weird. I think that was a joke. Was that a joke? No, it's, it's side straddle. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They, they, these people, they, they, they were trying to teach them how to do, you know, side straddle hops. These people, this one guy, he's going like this. Like, And it's like, what twitching. are you doing with your hands? Like, you watched the guy, right? 
You know, look, man, I don't, people who are not educated and who are impoverished, they're just not going to be made for this kind of stuff. All right. Martin Edgar says, look up pictures of Afghanistan in the 70s. Before the Russian-Afghan war, women wore jeans and not a burqa to be seen. Yep. Afghanistan has a close proximity to China. Tactically, it would have been adv- advantageous to remain. Interesting. Matt Bowler says, Tim, these people do have social cohesion and culture, religion. However, the conflict between religious groups is so fundamentally rooted, it will seem, it will seemingly forever spur problems. I agree. Brandon Tom says, South Korea has been resisting invasion since June 25th, 1950, and has been grateful for our help ever since. Korea is different and awesome. I certainly, I certainly think so as well. I think with Korea, it was the, it's, you know, massive force of communism taking over all these countries. And we said, Hey, don't take over these countries. And then we get involved in these conflicts. Though I'm not a fan of what happened with a lot of, I, I gotta say, I gotta be honest. Vietnam, awful. But, uh, for my family, like South Korea existing is like a really great thing. So I'm happy about that. I, you know, I don't, I don't live in Korea. I'm not from Korea, but. I what was people. it like the Russians being like, we're going to test a bunch of our weapons and the U.S. like, cool, we'll test a bunch of ours. Let's use Korea to do it. What do you mean? Like, is that what that war? It was a proxy war. Like, were they just testing weapons and using the it Korean was, it people? It was the expansion of communism. Same as Vietnam. That's what they call That's what they said. But what was well, it really? Was just, it was just an arms rip. Was Vietnam the same thing? Yeah, pretty much. No, I think it was. The com- Chinese and the Americans using their weapons. Communists were weapons. spreading across the Asian continent and the U.S. was like. We can ignore this because they're not our countries. But then what happens in 30 years when the communists control all of Asia, Europe, and North Africa, and then they're impossible to stop, and then they start cutting off our supplies, and then the U.S. falls to these dictators. Yeah. We have to go now, otherwise they grow too much. It's, it's possible and probably even likely, I would say, that it, it was more than one reason or more than one like positive outcome that could come out of it. You could test your weapons, and you get to stop communism. All right. Let's see. Uh, Scalum says, those were ANA soldiers. Then there are NDS and KPF soldiers, more skilled but needed to be babysat to function. Most Afghans are sheep people, the smarter ones left or leave as soon as they can. Hmm. Yeah, they're like farmers, right? They yeah. just mostly. Yeah, it's I, I can't blame them for not knowing how to fight or being able to understand it. I just think the government, like the U.S. should have realized like, hey, wait a minute, this isn't going to work. Well, they get all their, their opium and now they're out. Is that what did they extract all the opium or something? Yeah. What was it? The, the Taliban banned? The opium stuff? Oh, is wow. that true? I don't know if that's true, though. They banned masks? Is that right? I don't know if that's true. They, they banned some, like, critical they, race theory or something stupid. I, I, maybe that's a meme, dude. I don't know if that's <laughs> probably a meme, it dude. It's fine. All right. Let's see. No, they banned the vaccine, I think. I'm gonna Tovid Benson says, how can you expect the U.S. to teach community identity and create cultural cohesion to a foreign entity if we are abolishing those same values and cohesion in the U.S.? The U.S. did not make an effort to understand the local tribal cultures to find what would create cohesion. Nor will they do it here in the U.S. when you get people like, uh, you know, General Mark Milley being like, I want to understand white rage. Yeah, you'll alienate 92% of the country. Good job. See, but, but uh, what he said at the time, I, I don't think he really wants to understand it. He just said what fits a narrative right, because he wants to fit into Washington. Right. And so much of the discussion these days is just people just going along with whatever flows. This is a story from uh, the week. Taliban bans COVID-19 vaccine in Pactia. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. All right. We got uh, George Butler says, hey, Tim and crew, do you think POTUS should send social workers instead of troops to Afghanistan? Oh, yeah. Perhaps. Good idea. And they can teach people. Mm-hmm. Seven Cog says, failure to defend Taiwan will be the U.S.'s Suez Canal moment, the point at which the world knows beyond, beyond doubt the U.S. is no longer top dog. 
and I think it will happen. I do. You can't stop it, though. I mean, you could, but the problem is Mark Milley. You know, I, I don't mean him literally just he's the only problem. I mean, you look at the things he says and the way he behaves, and it just shows the spinelessness, the weak-mindedness. There's, I'll tell you this. I think a large portion of American leadership has like almost no mental fortitude. And, and the fact that Mark Milley is in the position he is just shows that, like, you know, the emperor has no clothes. It's weird that uh, that feeling like that we have too much to lose. We don't want to fight because we don't want to lose what we have. Like, we're so elevated above other people that we don't want to lose our stuff, whereas they don't have that. So they're like, I'll fight. I got nothing to lose. So you don't want to get too far ahead of everybody else. Justin Middleton says, Tim, big fan, but I don't understand this. You often quote Edmund Burke. All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Why doesn't this apply globally considering your stance on foreign intervention? I don't think the Taliban are going to be an international cabal that, you know, take over the world. But that's why I was saying about the Soviet Union, I understand why the U.S. was doing what it did. And I'm certainly happy that South Korea exists and was defended, although the U.S. wasn't able to defend all of Korea. It's tough. Vietnam was a was, was a major failure, and uh, the, we lost there. But ultimately, the Soviet Union fell. I look at Afghanistan, and I'm like, what are we what are we worried about with Taliban? Like, I, I understand 9 11 and all that stuff for sure, but that was specifically targeting a group of people. But that uh, you know, that's, that's a line that's a line the president said today. Like, uh, technically, we could have left Afghanistan 10, 15 years ago, and if we can't leave today, we can't leave in 15, 20 years from now either. It's right. like, what wh- what are we trying to accomplish at this? point? Yeah, he said we went after Osama bin Laden, we got him. Okay, there you go. You know, I think what wh- I think what uh, Ron Paul often said was we shouldn't have declared war. We should have declared mark and reprisal against the specific group. And then sought to operate in certain ter- ter- territories through, like, you know, agreements yeah, think, with those governments. Yeah, I think all in all, um, I think the 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 mess up with Afghanistan is not so much going out. It's it's I think how things will play out going forward. I think uh, it the the hasty withdrawal, the way it was done, is more like an abandonment. And I think this may have long term consequences. In other words, the deficiency is not in actually leaving Afghanistan. I think people can understand that. I think uh, if the U.S. were to leave Afghanistan in some sort of a more orderly fashion, um, you know, using the last few months to do it and not having these images the last uh, 72 hours, I don't think it would undermine the U.S., the role of the U.S. in the world. Uh, so I don't think leaving in itself uh, is going to be a problem. I think how it's done and, and you know, not being able to keep a government going, uh, spending so much money in the military and uh, turning your back on people who helped you. I think those those things will be a disaster. All right. BlackRock Beacon says trained Afghan commandos while in SF. They were competent, also trained regulars and some older guys who were Mujahideen were very good. But many couldn't aim a gun. As with most armies, the bulk are the regulars. Mm-hmm. Taliban are mostly seasoned fighters on par with commandos. That's if that's true. That's crazy. Mm. And they, if they, had, even if they had eighty-five thousand guys who are who are trained, man. Yeah, I don't know. The U.S. wasn't going to be able to hold that. Mm-mm. All right, let's see. Ah, here's a very a very important super chat. Working Rageaholic says, "Oi, Tim, can you talk about Yuri Bezmenov? Dude warned us years ago about what was going to happen, but no one listened." Huh. You ever see that Yuri Bezmenov video? Yeah. Yeah. Ian, was, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have to. We should make everyone watch it every day. <laughs> have you ever seen that? Have you been asked about that video twenty five times? You know, you know, we have, you know, we have the uh, the thing that appears on the screen says like share this, you know, like this, 
you know, subscribe. <laughs> we should make another one where it just says, yes, we've seen the Yuri Bezmenov video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just include it in it. That's Is our that guy still line. kicking? Is he alive still? He was old in, in the sure. 90s. I, I don't know, but I appreciate all the super chats of people constantly bringing him up Heck because yeah. he was warning us. And when people bring it up and we get to say it, more people will learn about yeah, it. Yeah, he so told us about thing. how the long game, basically, the communist long game of like they get into your culture and then they start seeding dissent for 20 years. Yep. And then they sort of kind of he was t- telling us about this in the 90s and saying it's happening right now. He's right. Moosey Moose says, I urge everyone, watch a video on YouTube titled Mass Psychosis, How an Entire Population Becomes Mentally Ill. They talk about a killing of the mind, modern-day totalitarian, and how parallel systems can be used to defeat it. I've seen that video. It is really, really good, and it is incredibly well done. It is called Mass Psychosis, How an Entire Population Becomes Mentally Ill. you got to check it out. We should watch it. It it basically talks about... You, I, I'll just leave it at that. Thanks. Watch it, and you'll be like, hmm, this sounds familiar. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. And it's like a a, a, a big channel doing an, an educational video, like Who's talking philosophy. Uh, you have to look it up. I don't know. Okay. All right. Adjadim says, shout out to OJ Pack, Yassi's nonprofit org. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have you have, you have a nonprofit? Yep. Yeah, what is it? What, is, what do you do? Our mission is to fight bigotry against the Orthodox Jewish community and to advocate for civil rights, civil liberties that affect our community. For example, last year we pushed a lot of data and advocacy in terms of restoring patient rights in hospitals. Uh, I think, t- not I think, until today, most hospitals do not have a regular visitation restored due to coronavirus. And I think it's important for people who, who believe in family values to have the ability to visit family members, it's very important for their recovery. So we advocated on that front. We also pushed a lot of advocacy to open schools uh, last year um, in New York um, because, again, uh, unlike uh, most of the U.S., I think like only 21% of the U.S. population is under the age of 18. In our community, it's 60%. Oh. Can you believe it? Wow. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, three-fifths. It's huge. So uh, when you, ha- you didn't have school for a week, you can imagine how uh, parents and families are going crazy and how important school is. It's not, oh, you know, you have a child here and there. You have like the more than half of the population is stuck in time. So, you know, those are things. And also we were... Um, one of the lawsuits that were brought against Como to uh, permit people to go to synagogues, the congregations, was something that we helped coordinate. Uh, you know, that lawsuit ultimately was sidelined because two other lawsuits from, the, I think, um, uh, the Catholics in Brooklyn, also from a ma- other major Orthodox organization, advanced to the Supreme Court. So this lawsuit didn't take off, but we were busy, uh, you know, on the front. So that's where we were, uh, you know, advocate a lot. <coughs> on on these issues and, and then on the defensive front i think uh como for a time for a while last fall and also bill de blasio the mayor of new york city they had a disproportionate focus on orthodox jews as a community uh, by skewing coronavirus data points and we pushed back with uh, press releases articles tv appearances studies and numbers uh, you know to keep the conversation going i think uh any growing community, um, especially community that stands out. I mean, you walk in the street, somebody's Orthodox Jewish, you can see it. I think it's important to get information out there, either in a proactive or a reactive fashion, and we try try doing that. Right on. Between the tweets. All right. <laughs> yes. Emily Mower That's says... A good name for a book, by the way. <laughs> Did Ian just say rights are given? The government does not grant us our rights. The Constitution protects our rights that we inherently have from the government. LOL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's true. what we tell ourselves, the myth of no? our time. Come on. It's it's enforced by law. What do you mean? All our rights that we say are God-given. Come on. 
That's not – you are a product of your society. Our society is built to protect those rights that we gave ourselves. What do you mean? The United States is self-fulfilling prophecy. It's not like saying, we accidentally have all these rights. You know, we, we had to choose to create these for ourselves. He's saying interesting point. He's saying that you need to have a government that agrees to protect your rights. If not, those rights are taken away by government. So it, it's oh, interesting. It, but I guess what, 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 yeah, or by a giant bear or whatever. Yeah, but, whatever. But, but it's but not I think it, you're it, missing the, the rights. The rights are not given by government. Uh, you know that's why it's called uh, I think negative rights. It's not government yeah. gives right. you. The government yeah. doesn't, you know, you're, you you are protected from government taking it away. But that means government is willing not to take it away. So we're still governed by law. Um, I, th- I, way think, deeper, I, I think, yeah, I think yeah, you're, that's a whole conversation. You're, you're getting semantic again, Ian. She's I, saying that we, we, we all have these rights. Like I as an individual believe these rights are mine and you can't take them. You can try. Fortunately, we have a Bill of Rights in this country that protects the rights that I believe I have and have always had. And I do think the government infringes on those rights. The government doesn't grant them to us. We have them. The government just breaks the rules and tries to take them from us all the time. Fair and point. they do. Yeah. All right. Let's see. The last of my kind says, on my birthday, I told y'all how I was 31 walking with a cane last week. Took Ian's advice and got some collagen. Thanks, BioTrust. Keep it up, Shimcast. Nice. Whoa, whoa. Shimcast. <laughs> Dude, check out, <laughs> um, what is it? Uh, Los Angeles. It's a so, SoCal chiropractic. Ace there, man. This, this like 70 year old man came in, bent over on a walker and he cracked his neck, helped him stand up straight and the dude's off the walker. Interesting. You can do it too. Woot, do for you, says I have counted Tim's exasperated size at Ian's answers. It's okay. over 9,000. Love, <laughs> love you, Ian, but sometimes you make me bash my skull against a brick That's wall. That's why I'm here, baby. <laughs> love you, too. All right. Andrew S. says, this one made me a fan of Yossi. Great guest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, All right. We'll just go. So, so you're the one. Okay. <laughs> we'll just grab, one. Uh, we'll grab one more. Very important. Garhat says, Ian is to the left of Stalin. Someone have Ian do the political compass online. It'll be funny to see the look on his face when he realizes it's a commie. Yes. Controlled <laughs> opposition. Let's, we can do this. All right, everybody. If you haven't already, give a, give a like, uh, a tap to that little, little like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share, share the show with your friends if you really like it. Leave us a good review. Leave some comments and go to timcast.com. Become a member because there will be a members only segment coming up. Uh, it usually goes live around 11 or so p.m., so you'll definitely want to check that one out. They're always more fun. We've had a lot of people say, can we make the members-only show the main show? And I'm like, I guess the problem is we'd get banned. Yeah, immediately. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we say anything that crazy, but we're allowed to actually say, like, here's what YouTube would ban us for if we were going to have this conversation. So we try to have them there. I guess it kind of sucks in a lot of ways, but we're growing the business, and we've got a lot of stuff on the way. Someone super chatted that I said Tales of Intrigue. That is not the name of the show. That would be very generic. We're, I'm just that's generally it because Shane, who's uh, writing all the stuff, he wrote like a mafia murder mystery cold case, which is really awesome. And so we're turning you know his articles into a show, and then we're going to have his story, and then followed by someone from the house like hanging out and talking about the stuff. So it'll be really cool. Like when he talks about some when he, when he writes up like DMT or whatever, Ian will be you know have a conversation with him, and that'll be a members only podcast. So definitely become a member at TimCast.com. Is there anything you want to shout out, Yossi, before we go? I just want to give you a thanks uh, for giving me the opportunity to appear on your show. And I want to give a shout out to you. I think uh, some, oh. uh, how old are you, 36? 35. 35, okay. So younger than me, uh, with a year of change. I think it takes a lot of um, um, energy and, you know, will to do what you do. Uh, and, you know, to go along with the program, I'm not saying you're a contrarian just for the fun of it, but... You have your thoughts, you have your opinions, and you share it. You share it in a 
in an interesting way. Uh, you bring in guests, you know, to to challenge, and you challenge your semi co-host there. You know, oh, I think you guys. W- I thought you guys were going to to blow. I would have. Blow. <laughs> I restrained um, myself. Yeah, apparently. So, so I think you know to run a business and, and 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 to start a business, especially in the commentary world, I think it takes a lot of guts, especially that. You never know uh, when haters would try to pile on and then try oh, they to, do. but pile on in a destructive way and try to, you know, deplatform de- 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 and destroy you. So I think this, uh, you know, having the opportunity to speak to your audience is what uh, made me uh, take this drive of more than four hours. Uh, Thank you, know. you for doing that. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it's not like I uh, walked in there from, uh, <laughs> I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's a drive of four hours plus stops, uh, you know, each way. Um, and also, I wanted I wanted I wanted to have the ability to strengthen what you do. Uh, I appreciate it, man. I think uh, we we spoke off the show. We sp- a lot of times, people like to say, um, you know, cancel culture, you know, is bad. Okay, so if cancel culture is bad, you should be out there and conversing with people who are not part of the machine. People who are out there who may who others may try to cancel them. I'm not saying he's a pariah, but I, I'm just trying to get the point across that. From a business perspective and from a policy perspective and from accomplishment perspective, what Tim is doing is amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. And uh, it's, it's a benefit for me of being able to be here. And uh, I wanted to uh, join your show uh, no matter the, the time that it takes because I think cool. you're doing amazing work. You got a Twitter account? Yeah, I do have a Twitter account, which is at Y-O-S-S-I Gestetner. It's Yossi Gestetner, Y-O-S-S-I Gestetner. Now, I don't know why. Tim and I, we don't follow each other. What? Uh, we, we used oh, to follow. Right. We unfollowed. I don't know what I happened. never unfollowed. I, I get unfollowed from people all the time. Yeah, so, yeah, but... Um, the Ron pa- Coleman. I, you know Ron Coleman? Ron, of course. Oh. I've been unfollowed from him like four times. So, Ron, and when I said before that um, we we tried to push a, um, a lawsuit, Ron is the, was the attorney on that lawsuit. And, and I arranged at the time a major press conference, major, not national TV, but uh, regionally we had all the TV channels there, yeah, I uh, know Ron very well, and he was actually honored at our event. Our we have an annual dinner, and he was honored this year for his uh, for his work for the oh, Orthodox community. Right on. But yeah, so um, cool, man. So that's that. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the time. It's uh, it's good to know you, Ian, and I uh, appreciate the inquisitor questions before <laughs> the show. It's interesting. Oh yeah, we're talking and about religion, talking about Judaism. Has yeah, Hasidism, Is it Hasidism? Is that how you? Asceticism, Hasidim, Hasidim uh, is the people. Asceticism is the way of life. Uh, yeah, we're which, gonna maybe yeah. get into it a little bit on the after. We'll show. get into it. It's uh, pretty cool. And yeah. don't forget to follow the show at Timcast IRL mm-hmm. on every platform or whatever. And you can follow me at Timcast. And uh, yeah, I'm at Ian Crossland, IanCrossland.net. Love you. And there you guys go. may follow me on Twitter at Sarah Patch Lids. And I really appreciate Yassi driving all the way down here. And I'm excited for the after show because we are going to talk about his faith. That's right. right. That's we love talking about religion and stuff because it's, uh, you know, just the big questions. So make sure you go to yeah. TimCast.com, be a member, and we will see you all there. Bye, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.